Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is The Majors Live on the majors.net. We are coming at you right now with webisode number 67. It is day 2,224 in the search for Tim Shovelday. We're running with the skeleton crew at the moment. Tip couldn't make it. Lickless may or may not be on his way. And... Yeah, we don't know what's going on. Yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> but, <laughs> but most importantly, we have your host, the only man in the world who can get madder at a bad call than Tigers manager Jim Leland, <laughs> Adam Hernandez. You know, get even more pissed off at a bad call. Who's that? Your dad. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't think I've ever seen anybody yell so much at a softball umpire my yeah. entire life. Yeah, you know, my, my dad is... I, I grew up with him, obviously. He's my dad. Um, <laughs> so I, I was used to, like, just, you know, every, uh, you know, every sporting event being like that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I forget sometimes when, you know, bring him around and, you know, maybe a new person watching a game with him or something. <laughs> yeah. Just people be like, dang. Right? But well, <laughs> well, did you say that's the way he gets to during, uh, during like, Michigan football oh, games? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. That'd be, you know what? That'd be fun to watch. Oh, it, it can be just <laughs> he won't watch. There's a few Michigan games he won't watch. Like, my dad actually does not uh, – he is a humongous Michigan fan. He will not watch the Michigan-Michigan State game. More so than you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Much bigger than me, actually. Yeah. yeah that's... Actually, of me, my sister, and my dad, I would say I'm the third biggest Michigan fan. Really? Yes. Well, you know what, though? Aside from that, though. Yes. Another big, big monumental event took place today. Oh, yeah? Yes. And that was the day that... A woman, a human, female, gave birth to a squirrel. Oh, yes. It is squirrel's birthday. It is true, yes. I don't know how old are you in squirrel years. I, I, oh, in squirrel years, a thousand. A thousand? <laughs> no, I am 31 today. Ancient. 31. Ancient, yes. There we go. Happy birthday Thanks, buddy. to squirrel. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not big on my birthday. You know, it's just one of those things. You no, know, neither Especially am I. When you get old, not anymore. I'm, I mean, they're they're fun up until what, 25? Yeah, maybe. And after that, they're just kind of uh. 22. Lickless is, is here now, and he's and he's giving the look like, "What are you talking about?" There, it's a lot sooner than that. Yeah, I would say. Whoop! Oh, there we yeah, go. I would agree. I would say the last fun birthday is 21. Twenty-one. I mean, past then, what what is there? 30. Come on, you can't. You could rent a car. You can rent a car at twenty-five. <laughs> yes, we all meet. We who goes out <laughs> on their twenty-fifth birthday and rents a car? Because it sounds like fun when yeah. you're like a teenager. Th- I know people always say, that. "Well, you're not done yet." Twenty-five, that insurance drops, and you get to rent a car. That's not even true anymore. Yeah, I turned thirty this year, and my insurance went up. <laughs> really, that's nice. You know what the explanation was? What? Well, all the drivers who are really bad raise their rates. I'm like, but I'm not one of those bad drivers. We're like, that's why it went up. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> that was the exact explanation I was given, too. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, car insurance is so expensive that if if it wasn't illegal, I would not have car insurance. Oh, there's I, the, I'm kind of starting to think uh, like the ghetto dudes I've <laughs> talked to who just like don't have it during the summer. Yeah. It's like, that seems the way to go, man. Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard of the people just... Uh, there's there's a lot of people who will uh, go uh, go get the proof insurance. 
pay the 100 bucks or whatever for the opening fee, get the proof of insurance, then cancel it. They're good for six months if they get pulled over. Then six months later, do it again. Everybody knows, yeah. though, that insurance is the biggest scam oh, it's in the world. I mean, any it's type like of legalized insurance. mafia. Yes, exactly. It's That's you, all it is. Because when, you, when something does happen to you, when something, you know, when you do get into a car accident or when you do, you know, need your health insurance or something... If you have it through your, you know, through your place of employment, oh, well, where did you get sick? Did you get sick while you were at work? No. Oh, I'm sorry. We can't cover you then. Or did you, you know, did you mess up the left side of your fender? No, I messed up the right side. Sorry, your coverage is only for the left side of the fender. <laughs> Fuck you. I pay, I pay <laughs> all this money every single month, and when it's time for you to... To you know, finally pony up to your end of the bargain here. You can't do it. Yeah, I, I had a, uh, I had my uh, about ten years ago now, but I had my car broken into, which was less than a three-year-old car at the time. The CD player, which I had a nice CD player in at the time, was stolen, and they stole, I would say, seventy or eighty CDs out of my car, and the insurance company denied the claim, uh, saying that because everything I owned was of depreciating value they wouldn't cover it which we're like everything on the damn planet is depreciating in value how is that even a thing (laughs) and they messed up the door they destroyed my dash and they wouldn't cover it because basically uh, my, my dad talked to him and said well what would you have covered he said golf clubs he goes well cool he goes You just taught my son to lie. Because guess what? The next time this happens, he has a fucking duffel bag of golf clubs in his trunk regardless. He has like five duffel bags of golf clubs. And the insurance agent agent went, are you serious? He went, oh, yeah. Trust me. I always have a set of golf clubs in my trunk now. I was like, you're fuck you, bitch. I always have a set of golf clubs in mind. Now that you told me that. Yeah, always. Just I do, too. I carry them in there all the time. Uh, yes, I have a set of golf clubs. I'm not even kidding. I mean, so if this somehow gets out to, to AAA or anything like that, you know, they can they could hear me right now. I have golf clubs in. I don't have a trunk in my car. I have a truck so I'm in the bed of my yeah. truck. Golf clubs. Very expensive I was going to say, I saw them. They're awesome. Yeah, aren't they? They're I mean, like they're, in mint condition. They are. They're too. mint condition. They're like the titanium kind mm-hmm. that, you know. They're, yeah, they're, they're almost as nice as the set I have in the back of my car. Whatever, squirrel. That's not my, f- I, you know, I don't, I don't splurge on golf clubs like you yeah, do. It's anyway. weird, too, because I actually, I actually have my awesome set in the back in the back of my car, and I got my dad's, too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, I have, I have one of my golf clubs, though. Is I don't actually, even have a trunk big enough when they're in the back seat. <laughs> well, I don't know if I told you this or not, Squirrel, but one of my drivers is actually autographed by Tiger Woods. Oh, dang, dude. Yeah, and I keep and I keep the certificate of authenticity in, in the golf bag just in case. You <laughs> well, know, if that's I'm, where you should keep it. Well, I know. But so if I'm, you know, if I'm on the golf course and somebody sees you know, that I have Tiger Woods' autograph on my driver and they don't believe me, I have the certificate of authenticity there yeah. to prove it. That's, that's good. good. That's good so anyways... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's going on? Gil- Gilson just joined us, uh, filling in for Tip today. Impromptu. Thanks for showing up so quick, Gilson. No kidding. That's great. That's amazing, man. No problem. What were you in the basement or something of the studio? Hanging out. I keep I keep him out in the garage <laughs> just in case. No, no, I'm just on workman's comp right now. So. <laughs> oh, neat. 
Anyways, um, Major Woody's Girl of the Week this week is Jessica Jane Clement. Head over to the website and check her out. Um, and our fan question, too, this week is which – we're going to be going under some realignment here. And we're going to be talking a little bit about NHL realignment, the massive realignment that's going to be happening. Um, around 930 uh, with Aaron Agamire during Crash of the Net, um, he may or may not be calling in a little bit late tonight so um hopefully we get to him at nine around nine thirty tonight but we will be talking about that regardless um and also we talked about it too a few weeks ago about major league baseball realigning itself so uh with that in mind though what league needs realignment more the nhl or major league baseball so that is on our that is on our facebook page right now so make sure you go and check that out other than that we're going to go ahead and get started with our round table segment here and uh, first topic we're going to start with is Wimbledon. Oh, okay. Ligolas. Cool. Big, big news in Wimbledon this past... Well, one of the big stories this past week is the Williams sisters. Same Venus day. and Serena, same day, both being eliminated. And this is like the first time in five years... Yeah, I think it's only happened twice. Yeah, that they... That, in the Grand Slams. Yeah, that Venus and Serena won't be meeting in what? Was it at the... Oh, wait, Wimbledon? Yeah, it's... I mean, they've won the last nine out of 11, and they... They won the other two. I mean, uh, they were, like, they were beaten in the other two, so it's kind of a crazy final, honestly. Yeah, and... Big... 2006 was the last time. Yeah, and I and I and I and I wrote something very very quick about this uh, over on the majors.net that yes, you know, it is disappointing that Serena's out. Um but I it's mean, could that's well, I know, but can you just see it as like almost like a moral victory from, you know, everything that she's gone through Absolutely. this past year as far as the injuries and, you know, we talked about it too that we didn't we didn't think that Serena was going to ever return to, you know, playing you know, competitive tennis on, on a stage like Wimbledon. And she came back. She did pretty well. She went to the fourth round yeah. after literally, I mean, she played the warm-up in Eastbourne, you know, a couple matches and actually did quite well there. But, yeah, I mean, she literally hasn't played in a year. Mm-hmm. And for her to make it to the fourth round at Wimbledon is pretty damn good. So, yeah, I mean, I see this as a moral victory and a sign that, you know, Serena's probably going to be back. Oh, yeah. Well, she's going to be back to, I don't want to say the Serena of old. Oh, no, she won't be, but she'll she'll still be upper echelon of women's tennis, if not top, you know, three. I still think she'll she'll probably get in the top four again by the end of the year. Well, what about on the other side of things here with uh, with Venus Williams? I mean, what is I mean, what is this? I mean, she's never quite been, you know, what her sister has in the sport. Very good. Other still. than grass court, she's she she's been an above average player. On everything but grass. She's been a great player on grass. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she's 31 years old. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I don't know how much. She's in such good physical shape that I could easily see her go. I mean, Martina Navratilova played till she was 37 or 38 or whatever, and she was, you know, still winning Grand Slam titles. So you can obviously stay in the sport if you're fit enough, and Venus is definitely fit enough. So I could, I don't see her going away. Uh, you know, I maybe she'll retire and. Two or th- you know maybe I don't even say two or three. I think she'll probably retire when she's like thirty four, thirty five. Um, I hope she stays as long as long as possible because she's still good. But yeah. she's never she's never been 
I mean, early parts of the last decade, yeah, she was she was probably she was the best player in tennis, but she never rose to that level that Serena was, where she was just so dominant in everything. Well, you talk about the shadow. I mean, Venus has been very much in the shadow. It seems like of uh, of her sister, oh, Serena, yeah. and Serena actually the the well, she, fi- once Serena got better. Oh, Serena yeah. was in her shadow for a couple yes, of years. Yes, yes. Um, but just because she was seventeen, <laughs> Serena lost to Marion Bartoli. Of France, uh, six three seven six, yep. um, and then Venus, a five time champion, was the next to be eliminated by. Uh, I got the name if you need it. Yeah, please. It's, it's Fatana Parankova. There we go. See, I knew that. Six two <laughs> six three. I had to sound it out for myself because that one's even harder for me. <laughs> it's a ridiculous name. My God, though. And uh, what do we have here? And like I said when we first start time, this. First time in five years that neither sister will play in the quarterfinals at the All England Club. Yeah, that's when uh, Marisimo, I believe, finally beat um, uh, Justine Ennen for the title. So, I mean, I you think. didn't you didn't expect Serena to no. make it far. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts on. Honestly, it's actually v- funny. Uh, v- I, I actually did expect Venus uh, to go to the quarterfinals because that, that's kind of actually what she does at Wimbledon, especially now. I expected Serena to lose in the fourth round. I expected Wozniacki to lose in the fourth round because that's definitely what she does. Um, um, I am very happy, and I totally expected Sharapova. I kind of expected Sharapova to win this thing in the way she's been playing. Uh, I think she is still she is going to win this thing. She hasn't dropped a set yet. She's playing. It's hard to say best tennis of her life, but I haven't seen her play this good in a long time. Since well well before her surgery in 08. She's just playing out of her mind right now, which is great to see. Um, so It's good to see her, and uh, I would be shocked if it was not an Azarenka-Sharapova final for the women. Which, they're you know, only one, one match away. But uh, the uh, Lazicki, who uh, beat... Uh, what's her name? I'm, oh, shoot. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> she beat two rounds ago. Uh, oh, Lena, who just won the French Open. Yep. Uh, she beat her, and she just took a, took care of uh, Marion Batoli, who took down Serena Williams. So uh, she's a wild card player. She's only the second wild card player ever to make it to the semifinals at, the Wimbled- at Wimbledon. So uh, she's playing great tennis right now. What about on the men's side? I mean, we something. what happened with Rafael Nadal? He hurt his ankle. And he thought in his match against Swan uh, Martin Del Potro, he hurt his he hurt his ankle, and he after the match he said, and actually even during the match when he took the timeout, he thought it was broke. He said the pain in his ankle was so severe that he wasn't sure he could play. Um, but he said as the match went on, it started feeling better again, mm-hmm. which is obviously odd. Yes. Um, so then he had MRI after the match, and the doctor said there's nothing wrong with your ankle. He said your ankle's fine. You did not injure it. So he's, I mean, technically good to play. <laughs> he seemed, like, shocked by it because he was just like, I don't really understand why it hurt, but mm-hmm. it did. And, uh, I mean, he eventually took care of Del Potro, and uh, he actually has to play Marty Fish, who he obviously has a uh, very high he has a very good record against him, but Marty Fish uh, is playing pretty much the best tennis of his life right now. I mean, he's 29 years old. He's the only American left in the, the draw, which is 
Usually the mantle held by Andy Roddick, but uh, he got knocked out pretty early this year, unfortunately. Uh, he just goes back to Brooklyn Decker now. <laughs> yeah, I feel really terrible <laughs> for him. But Marty Fish is like the last. Him and Roddick are like the end of that era from 10 years ago, the huge servers. Uh-huh. I mean, where are they? Uh, what's it called? Tommy, Tommy Haas. And all those guys were just at 10 years ago. I mean, that's all it was, was you know, you'd throw up a 150-mile-an-hour serve, and that's pretty much what your game was. And once Federer... And Nadal came in. It kind of ended that. Pretty Wasn't that quick. Pete Sampras's game? It was. was his oh, it was his serve. Absolutely. <laughs> he was kind of like the precursor. Mm-hmm. You know, him, uh, Boris Becker, and those guys. They had just monster serves. God, Boris Becker. I totally forgot he about. He was my Bo- favorite player growing up. Totally I forgot Boris about Becker. Boris Becker. Man, he was, he was Boris Becker's great player. Who's the other one? Uh, Michael Chang. Yeah, he won the French oh, Open yeah. a couple times. Yeah. He's the youngest. Uh, he was seventeen years old when he won the French Open. Yeah, American, too. Yeah, amazingly American. enough, we had a we had a we had a French Open winner one time. <laughs> but um, Marty Fish, honestly, I mean, he uh, some stats about Marty Fish were pretty amazing. Uh, it's his first ever Wimbledon quarterfinal, which is pretty impressive, especially since he's twenty nine. He doesn't have that much time left. Um, he uh, he beat uh, Thomas Burdich in straight sets, uh, and he had the most impressive stat, and this is ridiculous for anybody. Uh, his last match, he was 91% on his first service point, which 75% is great. Mm-hmm. 91% like literally doesn't ever happen. You like I've never seen that before. Um, he's 64 out of 65 in his service game, which means in the first uh, five rounds of the tournament, or first four rounds of the tournament, he has lost one serve. <laughs> and that is it. So, I mean, he's playing easily the best tennis of his life right now. And He's if who knows with Nadal. I mean, a lot of this stuff is, is it's all his injuries. So obviously, still got to go Nadal. But all of a sudden, the Marty Fish Rafa Nadal match, which usually is a walkover, actually is a, a match to look forward to. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is I mean, you know, obviously, you know, like you just said, Rafael Nadal all of a sudden has kind of some injury questions right now going into this match. And if you know, Marty Fish is gonna if he's gonna have any opportunity to beat Nadal, you have oh, to think this is, this, is, this is it right now to beat him. And I don't know how you feel about it. I don't know if you think that he's actually going to do it. If I mean, because it would it would be a tremendous upset oh if, uh, if Nadal would be, uh, would be eliminated by uh, by Fish here. But like like you said, I mean, if, if, if any time it's going to happen, you have to figure it's going to be right now. Um, and if it happens, I mean... Obviously, it's a huge shock, but that that is a really big boost for American tennis. I mean, it, we haven't had other than Andy Roddick, and, and I mean James Blake oh, was a, was a good player, but you know he never made it to the level even Roddick did. It's been a long time. I mean, Sanford and Agassi was ten years ago. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a been long a long time since we've had anything. Uh, and if you and if you go out and you ask any, you ask any base. Regular person on the street, name name an American tennis player right now. They'll probably still say Pete Sampras oh, and Andre Agassi. Absolutely. I mean, they won't they won't know about Marty Fish. No. <laughs> they might know about Andy Roddick. Yes. That is it, though. I mean, honestly, there isn't many guys out there. Mm-hmm. Women's circuit's a little better, but women's circuit's different because you've got Serena. Yeah, I mean, Serena, you've got Serena Venus, Venus. and there's a couple up and coming young uh, young kids. But I think a lot of people might say Nadal. 
You know, they, they might. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rafael Nadal. He's, you know, he's an awesome. I, I, I think I saw him in, uh, in the Walmart <laughs> near my <laughs> house a couple they weeks might, ago. They might say Venus and Serena Williams. <laughs> for, men's, yeah. for men's tennis? For a while there, I think Serena could have competed. <laughs> I, yeah, I think we talked about that, yeah, too, we last week. That Yeah, Serena maybe could have. In a non-major event, I think Serena could have totally competed with him. I, I think you're probably right. But um, it, it would be. I, I'm uh, looking forward to that match. I'm. St- I still think Nadal's going to win, but it would be very cool. It'd be, it'd be cool if Marty, if Fish could even push it to five. When is very, very when is that match? That. Look at this. Uh, it's. I think it's tomorrow. It's either tomorrow or early, uh, early Thursday. But I think it's tomorrow. It's. I mean, our time. I'm not sure. You know, uh, London seven hours ahead or six yeah. hours ahead. So. Uh, I, I believe it's tomorrow, though. Who knows? Because the, the women's semifinals were, uh, quarterfinals were today. So. Could be at like 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> it might be. I, it, I don't know what time it'll appear our time, but within the next 36 hours, there will be a result. And I'm going to put it that way. <laughs> um, so you're still. I, if you I to, still pick Nadal. If he's, well, you're still going to go with Nadal to yeah, win the yeah. entire thing. Um. Yeah, I, I'm not going to change it right now. Uh, Djokovic is playing. You know, Djokovic is playing awesome. It's so hard to say. Djokovic is playing like he has been for the past six months. Federer still looks like Federer. And Murray's playing great. I mean, Murray plays like he always does until he gets into the finals of a major. Right? I mean, <laughs> it, that's why it's so hard every time. It's like it's hard to pick against this guy. But he just, you know, he's he's made it three majors and he folds every time. So I still have to go with Nadal, just assuming it. He, Doctor said he's good, so unless a mental thing, which has happened with Nadal in the past, but um, yeah, I gotta go with him. I mean, Murray's playing Lopez, which hopefully beats him, and Federer does have to play Joe F- Wilford Sanga, so that should be a good match. Sanga's been playing awesome this uh, this one, but they didn't. They, you know, he was predicted to play really good too, so it's not that surprising. But Federer's had pretty good luck against Sanga, um, and Sa- Sanga's you know Sanga's kind of like how Djokovic used to be. So whether or not his fitness is up to scratch, and it seems to be, he seems to be doing good. Djokovic is playing Tomic, uh, young young kid, so he should have no problem with him. Um, even though they've pretty much all been winning in straight sets lately, but I don't foresee it not being one through four again in the <laughs> in the semifinals. So um, I'm as usual, always looking forward to a Rafa Nadal Roger Federer <laughs> final because <laughs> it's you know. It's great, especially grass court. I mean, grass court, Wimbledon. I mean, it, I mean, as a tennis fan, I mean, it, it pretty doesn't, but doesn't get much yeah. better than that. And well, and the thing that's different, it's one of the reasons Fish is playing so well too, is the surface has been incredibly slow this year. I mean, really slow for grass court. It's been raining a lot, and even as the tournament started, the courts were. It's just, it's been a slow moving game. So, um, the fast ballers are, you know their game's kind of gone so it kind of gives an advantage to uh i still think it probably gives an advantage to nadal just because he's he just handles the court so well him and djokovic i guess if i had to take a guess i'd say it'd be nadal djokovic just because it handles their game both so well so it's been a weird year though because of that because the ball but i don't know i guess that's my guess is nadal djokovic and azarenka and sharapova where are we going to be at next week with uh oh it'll be done it ends uh breakfast at wimbledon is this weekend, you know, Saturday mornings, the women's, uh, usually 9 a.m. for both. Women's on Saturday, men's on Sunday. So, um, quarterfinals, semifinals will be, uh, you know, Thursday and Friday. So, well, There we go. We'll have, uh, 
We'll be able to have our Wimbledon recap next uh, oh, yeah. next Tuesday. So yeah. make sure you uh, stay tuned for that. Other than that, though, we're going to go ahead and take our first commercial break. This is The Majors Live on TheMajors.net. We'll be right back. was a boy wizard whose name was Larry Smarter. Larry, why weren't you in Professor Dicky Doodle's mythical creature classification class? Well, I'm taking Algebra 2 in a foreign language. Oh, so you can talk to unicorns? <laughs> uh, exactly. Unless they're French. Larry wanted to go to college, so he visited knowhowtogo.org to find the classes he really needed. Getting into college doesn't happen magically. Learn more at knowhowtogo.org. Brought to you by the American Council on Education, Lumina Foundation for Education, and the Ad Council. My sport is football, but my passion is education. My name is Namdi Asmoa, and this is how I live united. I see too many kids miss out on moving up. Kids who could go on to college, but just need that extra little push. So every year, I take promising high school students on a college tour. We check out the dorms, the library, meet some professors, find out where the best late night grub stops are. It shows them that there's a whole world beyond their own. What's even better is that most of these kids decide college is for them. I'm Namdi Asmoa. I show kids that a higher education means a brighter future. So when it comes to Living United, I don't just wear the shirt. I live it. Join me. It takes all of us working together to make a difference. Find out how you can live united for education. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I'm Sarah. I'm Ellen. One night, I was at a bar. One night, I was at a bar. I had one too many drinks. I had one too many drinks. I got behind the wheel. I got a cab. A squirrel ran across the road. A squirrel ran across the road. I swerved. The cab swerved. I hit a guy. The cabbie just missed a guy. I wish I took a cab. Thank goodness I took a cab. You have the choice to save a life. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. The Majors live on the Majors.net. 734-259-4941 is the number to call in. You can text in at 248-429-7729. I'm Adam Hernandez here with Squirrel, Ligulus, and Eric is our special guest again. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row of Inside the Huddle and Detroit Sports Weekly. Um, Ligulus, question for you. Who is that? Who is that one female on the uh, on the women's circuit that had the really big boobs but got the reduction. You don't remember? Was it recently? Yeah, it was like last year she got the reduction. It's the most selfish surgery ever created. I honestly <laughs> I I don't know. I, I, I honestly I don't know. I, I think it was I think I, it was on the uh, on the si.com. I'm safely assuming she's known more for her big boobs than her actual Probably. Tennis, 
probably. Damn it! What the hell was her name? I I I feel retarded for not knowing, but I genuinely have no idea. Man, the biggest boobs on the circuit are Serena Williams, <laughs> I mean, and she seems to play just fine. So. Let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna type in female tennis player boob reduction. That's what I'm typing into Google. It'll into the you go- know it'll come up. Into the Google box right now. Actually, just a bunch of porn sites will pop up. No, I got I got it. I think this that is it right too. here. Yeah. Here we go. Ligalis. Yep, it? that's it right there. Simona. She's not really like him. What's her name? Simona Halep. I've never heard no? of her. Is that before or after the. That's before. Oh. I'm not even. Darn. Come on. Oh, no. stop it. She wrecked herself. Oh, Lickless is getting up. Everybody's getting up and looking. Oh, stop it. She looked great before. You don't remember her? Uh, that's you should have. No? Sim- Simona Halep should be Major's Woody's Girl of the Week, but only pre breast reduction. <laughs> well, that's, that's, what happened, that's what happened to her now. Oh, that makes me want to cry. Before? Uh, hot. It's like those things Not that just so ripped out. Yeah, seriously. What do they do with those poor dudes? And where, where do they where do they take them? Do you think they give them to needy uh, needy girls that need? I wish they would. <laughs> Safely assuming it hasn't made her better. <laughs> she might be a she might be a clay court player too, which is why I have never heard of her. I mean, you know, clay court is kind of like its own special thing, and that is the least amount I pay attention to. So that could be the reason, but I honestly have never heard of her. She's <laughs> Romanian, huh? I've, no, I've never heard of her. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I should have. She looked awesome before the no, She was <laughs> She was hot, man. Isn't it disappointing? It's I mean, what, horrible. What's more disappointing than... Can't you just wear like two uh, two sports bras? Yeah, I heard that's per- that works. I heard that works. Hey, can you imagine like I don't know your girlfriend what coming up to you like you know what? I gotta get rid of these I things. Think, yeah, think about getting a breast reduction. No. <laughs> <laughs> what was it uh, years ago? I uh, remember Slay Moon Fry who played, yes. uh, played Punky Brewster. Yep. She was dating um, Edward Furlong. Yeah, of Edward Furlong. Yeah, the the. The, the douche kid. from T2. The, the kid that almost ruins T2. I mean, luckily, T2's still a, a good movie, despite how shitty that kid is. Yeah. But they were dating. She went and got the breast reduction, and he dumped her. <laughs> we have... We have... We have, <laughs> we have, we have Tony. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm all for this. Tony... Yeah. Tony from the Major SoCal. I'm, I'm, I'm corresponding with him right now on, uh, on Facebook. And you could hear him uh, every week on Around the Diamond with uh, Tip and myself. Um, he said for some reason when he typed in tennis player breast reduction, he got John Clayton in the uh, in the search results. I don't know why John Clayton would uh, would come up in the search results for I don't tennis know. player. That's weird. Like John Clayton as the NFL Allen? Yes. That's weird. That is weird. <laughs> anyway. Did like his daughter get a breast reduction Maybe. surgery or something? And she plays tennis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> For the University of Georgia. And you got a short, bald guy come up in the results. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Anyways, though, we're going to move on um, to the NBA draft, which just happened this past uh, this past Thursday. Um, to no surprise, Kyrie Irving of Duke ended up going number one 
to the uh, to the Cleveland Cavaliers. One of the big surprises, though, is this, of this draft happened with our own Detroit Pistons here in Detroit, and that was Brandon Knight falling to the number eight spot and right into the Pistons' hands there. I remember we were on the road, and I looked it up on my phone, and we are like, there's no way Brandon Knight's Yeah, we're, I mean, yeah, well, you know, we're Pistons fans in here, and, you know, I figured, okay, well, they've got, um, they've got Brandon Knight, and they've got uh, the vampire from Twilight. Well, I'm talking about like who oh. they who they oh, who was okay. who was available around that time. But yes, they did ended up drafting we Kyle got, Singler, the oh, vampire yeah. from Twilight. Um, and also they had um, <laughs> Bismack Biombo too, both sitting there. Um, well, actually, Bismack Biombo ended up going number seven to Charlotte. But anyways, it would have been a win-win because if they if Charlotte would have ended up getting Brandon Knight. We would have got Bismack Biambo in Detroit, and if they would have drafted, obviously they drafted Bismack Biambo. So we did get Brandon Knight here in Detroit, which I think is absolutely phenomenal, even despite him being a uh, being a scorer in college. He's a point guard, but he does score a lot of points, um, and I know we have a lot of scorers right now in, uh, with the Detroit Pistons, but still, that doesn't in any way, you know, get rid of the fact that Brandon Knight is still a special talent and you know five years from now he may be he may be the best player coming out of this draft he is that good um and maybe the only reason why he didn't go number one overall to Cleveland is because he was only a freshman last year so oh I didn't realize that and he didn't hire an agent and he yeah and he didn't hire an agent and so I mean, I'm surprised he came out, especially this year. Yeah, that I means mean, shit. I don't know if I would have coming out this year. I mean, Me either, given man. the uncertainty of the NBA season next year, but I don't know. It's uh, it makes me think he just doesn't want to play. In, doesn't want to play college anymore. You know? Well, who knows? Yeah. I mean, they've got uh, they've got John Calipari there coaching the uh, the Wildcats. So who knows what's going to happen with uh, with them? I mean, when you have Calipari coaching your team, you're you're almost guaranteed some type of NCAA sanction for your basketball program. <laughs> yeah, but always, also some cash, too. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, always, I always said that John Calipari was like the STD of, of the college basketball world. I believe you said that, like, specifically. I, I think I did say that specifically. You're, you're, you're having a lot of fun before you find out what it's doing to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then all of a sudden you, all of a sudden you wake up one morning and your crotch is itching and uh, you have a fever, and no, nope. it doesn't make sense why they're too related. <laughs> so you got my text this morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, though, um, another interesting thing to come out of this draft was uh, was David Kahn and the Minnesota Timberwolves making a very, very, very unusual selection. Towards the end of the second round, the NBA draft's only two rounds. Not like the NFL draft that has. It doesn't take three. It doesn't prime take, time days. No, it doesn't take three days. It's not like baseball that has. I think the baseball draft is still going on right now. Well, they have so <laughs> they have like three or four different drafts during the season. They have like the, the draft and the midseason. Yeah, draft. then they have the Rule Five draft. Yeah. and uh, it, it's crazy. And then even hockey. Hockey has seven rounds too. Oh, yeah. So it's it's kind of crazy, but basketball, and that's a good thing about basketball too. Is it's it, it's short, it's you know it's it's to the point. They you know they're not sitting there with 
I didn't think they get 10 minutes like they do in the NFL to, you know, make their first-round selections. They should. I love watching all 256 picks. I, I don't. <laughs> not not in football because then at the end there, just you know, it's like okay, good. The you know the New England Patriots just picked uh, you know the starting center out of Middle Tennessee State. So hey, don't mess with the Blue Knights. <laughs> Anyways, though, I mean something. I mean, at the end of this draft, it seemed like there were a run. I mean, at the beginning of the draft, there were a run on big men. At the end of the draft, there were run on. There was a run on. Foreign players that Stuart Scott can't, couldn't pronounce their names. I mean, that's why they were doing it. They're all sitting back and just get this guy. We can't say his name. That dude won't. Exactly. You might as well have had me up there trying to pronounce the names of it's these like, guys. Uh, <laughs> of Croatia. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, it's one thing though that happened in this year's NBA draft towards the end of the second round. David Kahn. And the Minnesota Timberwolves ended up taking a 26-year-old player who was kind of announced to them. They didn't know he was 26 years old. I believe his uh, his draft profile, NBA.com, said he was born in 1989, which would make him how old? He'll be 22 this year. Yeah. And actually, by the time the season starts, this guy is going to be 27 years old, which technically makes him ineligible for the NBA draft. Um, now, I don't know what's going to happen here on out with, with that pick on whether or not Minnesota is going to be able to retain him. And the, the guy's name, he's from, is it Qatar? Yeah, or Cater. Cater, Qatar. Whatever they... I think it's Cater. The news stations always say Qatar, but when they were getting... Uh the World Cup, all of a sudden, it was, no, it's Cater, and it's like, oh, okay, cool. Guitar. Uh, <laughs> but we've got, um, his name is Tange Nagumbo. Ah, That's cool his name. name. Um, and seriously, when, you, when he was drafted, when he was taken by the Timberwolves, he was so unknown, it seriously looked like ESPN had... How unknown was he? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was so unknown that it seriously looked like ESPN had to take a YouTube video to show, you know, sure a highlight of this guy. Yeah, and they, it looks like they got some shitty photo by typing his name into Google and, you know, pulling up some 150 by, you know, 300 pixelated picture of the guy, you know, playing in guitar. And again, I don't know what's I don't know what's going to happen with this guy, but and I know our NBA guy Gary Pagula Jr., he said it on our Facebook page that any Pistons fans out there that are still bitching about Joe Dumars should feel lucky that David Kahn isn't running their franchise because you would have, you would have thought okay fair enough you know his 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 draft profile says he's he was born in 1989 but you know what though this isn't the first time in NBA draft history that a foreign player lied about their age or there was some huge speculation on a foreign player's actual age. You would have thought that David Kahn would have gone through and maybe did a little bit more research into figuring out how old this guy actually was before they went out and used a second-round draft pick on him. So I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what's going to happen with this guy. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep him or not or you know, if they're going to be able to use this draft pick next season because they can't go and redraft it. The draft is over with. Um, other than that, though, I don't know. Seven three four two five nine 
4941 is the number to call in. Um, it's, not, it's still not as bad as uh, Greg Odom, though. I mean, when Greg Odom came into the NBA, he was 39 years old. You know, I mean, he was the <laughs> oldest rookie ever. So, I mean, it's – I don't know why people are so shocked he's hurt. I mean, he's – He's the oldest player in the league. <laughs> I know. It's not that surprising. Well, you know. It's all his arthritis. Yeah. No, exactly. Well, I don't know how, you know, I, I think the NCAA. He is Alzheimer's. <laughs> <laughs> bumped into the, you know, he bumped into his dresser when he was getting up to pee in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, I, th- I Broke think. his hip. <laughs> well, this is something that maybe the NCAA needs to look into also when he played at Ohio State because they could add an, an il- ineligible player surprise Ohio State having well, an ineligible Ohio State players. would never cheat. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm not school. in their character. No, well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll just drop the whole thing. That's <laughs> that's wrong with me to say that Ohio State <laughs> cheats and doesn't play ineligible players. It mm. even has the backing of the Sugar Bowl <laughs> and, uh, and the NCAA itself. With full knowledge of what they're doing. For full knowledge of what they're doing. Anyway. <laughs> oh, poor Ohio State. Anyways, though. Take that back. Um. I'm gonna the winners and losers though from this past draft. One, the Washington Wizards. Um, I <laughs> um, and I'm looking here at uh, at CBS Sports' draft winners and losers. Uh, the winners, like they said, uh, Washington Wizards um, drafted um, Jan Vesley fits the need for them at. Uh, at their forward position, um, it seems like he's going to fit very, very well with last year's first overall pick in John Wall. Um, another one is Charlotte Bobcats. Um, they end up getting Bismack Biambo, who is going to be a very, very, very good defender, I believe, in the NBA in the coming years. Um, if he could work on his offensive game, then he's going to be a spectacular player. Um, but they also got Kemba Walker, too. Um, I believe with the uh, with the number nine pick, uh, and again, those two players. I mean, Kemba Walker was another one of those uh, guards in this draft, um, who you could have made an argument for going number one overall to Cleveland, um, based off the uh, the NCAA tournament that he had with Connecticut. Um, tremendous heart. He's a true leader on the floor. Very very nice pickup for Charlotte, who. Uh, who needs a leader on the floor for them? They need they need some help at the point. And then again, too, Bismack Biambo, another excellent, excellent pickup for them. Um, and then the Denver Nuggets as well. Uh, Raymond Felton, the, they say by, you know, and for CBS, Raymond Felton got flipped for Andre Miller's non-guaranteed expiring contract. And Jordan Hamilton, one of the steals of the draft, who unexpectedly fell this for a guard the Nuggets didn't want to didn't want in the first place. Um, I'm going to go ahead and name the Pistons in here as well because I think the Detroit Pistons had another ex- or had an excellent draft. And this is a draft too that um, that Joe Dumars really really had to capitalize on here um, based on some of the drafts he's had in the past. Even though I think I think Dumars gets shafted a little bit too much on the Darko Milicic pit. Um, just because, I mean, a lot of a lot of experts, a lot of scouts in basketball at the time were saying that Darko was going to be a good number two pick, and you know the Pistons needed a big man. I mean, who doesn't need a big man? 
you know, in, in basketball. It seems like that's a, you know, that's always a hot commodity in the NBA is, is getting a big man. And uh, the Pistons thought that they got theirs in Darko Miller. And I, and I just think Joe Dumars gets way, way too much, you know, too much shit for that pick. Um, you know, and again, based off who went after I mean, who him. else? Who else came out that year? It wasn't a big deal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's I know. the reason because I know. of what year it happened in. Yes, if that if that happened there any, was, and that's why. I mean, again, I don't mean to argue, but that's that's why he gets so criticized. But that's why he should get more criticism because it was such an easy draft here. I mean, people, no one should be shocked that Dwayne Wade is a great NBA player. You know, oh, no. Dwayne Wade played in college. He was great. Uh, you know, everyone knew Dwayne Wade was going to be a great player. Carmelo Anthony, everybody was talking about Carmelo Anthony. I mean, it was, at the time, it was the big two high school kids coming in, you know. I mean, we had LeBron. Obviously, they couldn't take LeBron, but LeBron and Carmelo. I mean, he could have snatched up either one of those guys. And I know, but you could, Darko, you, you, know? could, you could make the argument, though, that from what everybody was saying, Darko was going to be as good as these guys. I can't make that argument. Well, at the time, I, though, I, wouldn't was... have, I couldn't make it then, and I wouldn't even think about trying to make it now. The reports coming out, and I mean, I remember the summer before, or the year before, uh, Dumars took a bunch of the guys over to, uh, where's he from, Argentina? Or... Uh, Darko was Serbia. from Serbia. Serbia. Yeah, he uh, they took he took they took him over to watch him play over in Europe, and I remember reading the articles and the scouts were saying the same thing, and they all said this dude's amazing, and they are all saying the same thing as he's doing stuff I've never seen before in my life on the basketball court. <laughs> so and that's why they took him because mm-hmm. they're like, we have to take this kid because he literally is one of those he could be a game changer, yeah, like literally a basketball game changing player. Obviously, that didn't work out but i just remember reading all the reports and i remember we got into about three dozen arguments about that draft because i was genuinely excited about taking darko and i hated carmelo anthony so much from the get-go that i was like i hate that piece of shit so and obviously i was wrong but i mean those were the reports coming out and man with young talent like that all you can go off of is speculation so it's not like people weren't saying this at the time though People were criticizing. Oh the no, Darko he was getting criticized long before it happened. When people heard that Joe Dumars was even considering taking Darko Milicek in as the second overall pick, people were, I mean, people were flipping out. Oh no, I still don't. There know. was conjecture at the time. I, I doubt this is true. But there was conjecture at the time. If you recall, the the second overall pick wasn't our pick. It was the Orlando Magic's pick that. They traded. Uh huh. Yes. Um, that is correct. Yep. We still had a pick later, later in that. You know, we still had. We our had two first round, round picks. picks. Yeah, because we I, were. There good was conjecture that year. at the time that Darko might have still been there when our other pick came up, because Darko wasn't going third. If we didn't take Darko second, uh huh. You know, uh, the Nuggets weren't taken. Oh shit! Darko's still here. The Nuggets. Yeah, you know, I they. This wasn't happening. If we took Dwayne Wade and, you know, Miami still had their pick. Well, no, I guess they wouldn't have Carmelo. Carmelo would already be gone. But Darko was not going second overall. He was not going third, fourth, fifth, sixth overall if Joe Dumars isn't taking, you know, isn't running the team. So this wasn't like a done deal. People were 
people were up in arms about this at the time, and they should have been. They, well, nothing's ever was, done This was deal. a crazy gamble that he took, and when you take a crazy gamble and it fails, you, you're going to eat some crow. Wow. Uh, you know, nothing's ever a sure thing, though, in the NBA draft, just like any draft. It's, you know, it's, you know. There are many more. There's not, not a sure thing. And taking a major gamble are two different things. I know, safer but you, options. But I mean, but and I know LeBron James. He's a he's a he's a huge talent. But I mean, I I guess you could have made the argument that you know, okay, well, what do we what are what is Cleveland actually getting with LeBron James? You know, how is his game going to transcend from high school to the NBA without you know? Bringing a team of losers to the finals. With, That's how it well, what I'm they saying, right. well, well, at the time though, you know, I mean, those questions were asked. Still you, no you right. could, you could ask. I mean, sure, you always ask the questions, but they were but, wondering at the time. Everyone, no one wouldn't have taken LeBron well, James except the, for maybe Joe Dumars. But no, no one wouldn't have taken LeBron James as the first overall pick. They took him, and he turned out to be great. Well, at this point, I mean, everything, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. at this point right now. But I mean, this of isn't course, just hindsight. People knew uh, this at the time. No, Did, well, was, were there really a ton of people saying LeBron James wasn't going to be great before then? Everyone thought he was going to be great, and he was. Everyone also, thought Carmelo you know Anthony was going to be a really good player, and he turned out to be a really good player. Everyone thought Dwayne Wade was going to be a really good player. He went fourth overall, and he was a really good player. The only one that wasn't... I mean, I mean, this is this is ancient history at this point too. I mean, but the only one that wasn't was Darko Milicic. People thought this is crazy, and you know, Dumars is saying, "Oh, this no, this is going to be no, this guy's going to be amazing." I know nobody's heard of him, but it wasn't just it wasn't just Joe Dumars. But it was saying. almost just Joe Dumars. It wasn't just who else it was was saying it, it wasn't it wasn't just Joe Dumars. I mean, the rest was, of the organization. I mean, yeah, the rest of the organization was you know well, a good portion of the organization was sold oh, on Darko Milicic. When, when you surround of, this guy with a bunch of five, bunch, six white guys from Serbia, he kicks ass. And a bunch of other people, I'm sure, were saying the same exact thing about Darko Milicic, about what an amazing talent this guy's going to be. People were way more critical of this pick even before Joe Dumars took it. Sure they were. Sure they were, well, but there was a lot of they people. They were right. But there was a lot of people, too, that were... It's a stupid move. At well, you this, have to remember at this, at this point. Yes, it was a stupid. No, move. yeah, you're not wrong, Squirrel. But yeah, you I'm have to, and you knew wrong. this at the time. The reason he took Darko Milicek was the gamble part, but because he already had a great team in behind him, he was he had he had the chance to take a gamble. I mean, that's why he took it. It was a gamble he could take because we won the championship that year. So when you have a great team already. You don't necessarily go for the obvious great player. And I say that especially in basketball, and I will still, I stand by this statement forever, especially with uh, Carmelo Anthony. I still am glad we didn't take Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony would have destroyed that team. Carmelo Anthony would not have started that year, and he would have been such a little piece of shit on the bench. Yeah, he would like, like, like he, like we, he, always, like would, he always has no, been. No, and honestly, and we we would not have the chance that we probably would not have gotten Rasheed Wallace that year. And I actually think we, if would, we, we would, wouldn't have gotten Rasheed Wallace. If we that would year. have drafted Carmelo Anthony, we would definitely not have won the NBA championship. That well, that's the thing of too with all the bunch of those. And years. that's all I care about is we won the championship in '04. Uh, I, well, of course, I can't pers guarantee that anyway, but I, I do think he would have destroyed that team. I'd have loved to see the future of Carmelo Anthony or Dwayne Wade if they had had Larry Brown coaching them in their rookie year. I, I, I would have loved to see what that would have what that would have brought about. 
I mean, I who knows? We might have Dwayne Wade right now playing, probably not on the Pistons, but somewhere in the NBA, playing with his skills, but also with you know, with some skills as a true point guard that only Larry Brown can teach. So I'd love to see that. I who knows what how much of a calmer, maybe better player Carmelo Anthony would have been. Look at how Allen Iverson played under Larry Brown. No one else could control that guy. I'm, I'm not willing to say that a 19-year-old Carmelo Anthony playing under Larry Brown with Tayshaun Prince, Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, Ben Wallace on that team <laughs> wouldn't have grown up in a much different way than we saw. I, and I'm not sure that we wouldn't have went to the NBA Finals and that the exact same thing wouldn't have happened. You might be right. You might be right. Squirrel. I mean, I mean, all we're, this we're, is total conjecture. Yeah, yeah we're, 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 not, we're just, never going to know. But I think, but I think the idea that Darko Milicek was then, is now, or ever would have been a better pick than Carmelo Anthony or Dwayne Wade well, to no, me is ludicrous. It's, it's, it, it's ludicrous. But the thing is, it was though, ludicrous is, then too. But Lickless, even you, if he would have turned out to be great, Lickless, you, you wouldn't have been as you, good. As you them. brought up, you brought up a very, very good point when you talked about teams drafting players that. Is more of a future type pick than a now pick, especially given the the where the Pistons were at back then. I mean, they didn't. I mean, yes, they, they didn't ha- need to have a first round draft pick at all. Though. No, they had they <laughs> had they they already had Ben Wallace playing, and that's center. a problem. Unfortunately, that's why yes. the, the good it, teams don't get good draft picks. They don't need them. And at that point, too, if I can remember, he already had um, he already had a couple people playing in front of him. So this was truly a draft pick for the future. Oh, completely. I mean, because he had uh, he had Ben Wallace playing in front of him, and he also had, let me think here, who was the other, who was the other Eldon big Campbell, man? Eldon Campbell. Eldon Campbell. Eldon Campbell, yep. He was we the other had, one. Um, oh, God, he went to uh, went to Utah later for a ton of money. Um, oh, well, That's true. I forgot about that. team as well. Yep. Um, you know, so he had a couple. So he had a couple people playing in front of him. So yes, no. this was this was truly a draft pick for the future. That you which know. is why he was still at seventeen years old when he got here. And I know that you know, Mello was really young too. But mm-hmm. but th- I mean that's what you get sometimes with these European players. I mean the game is different in Europe than what it is in the NBA. Which you know what, you go back and look at this year's draft. I still have no clue whatsoever why the Raptors who need help now. Who aren't in the position the Pistons were back in the two thousand for the two thousand three draft? They went out and they drafted uh, Jonas Valanciunas, who isn't going to be in the NBA for another few years. Um, and again, too, I don't I don't understand. I mean, that's why I see the Raptors as really losers in this draft. Based off, um, I mean, they could have went. They could have had Brandon Knight. They could have had Brandon Knight. You know, as their point guard. Um, and use this argument, Squirrel. I mean, he's a guy that could have come in and helped right now. He's sure. a guy that was, you know, that they're able to watch in Kentucky, um, play in the, you know, play in the NCAA tournament. Played very, very well in the NCAA tournament, taking very, very big shots at an extremely young age as a freshman for the Wildcats. And he could have gone in there, and, you know, and played in Toronto, which is a relatively, you know. I don't want to say weak basketball market, but it's 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 not as pressure filled as going and playing for the Lakers or going and playing for the New York Knicks. Um, I also look at the Cavaliers too. Not so much for the Kyrie Irving pick. I think the Kyrie Irving pick was fine, but they went and drafted Tristan Thompson with the number four pick when 
you know, they could have gone and had another guy like like Brandon Knight. They could have had him at uh, at four. They could have went and drafted Jonas Valenciunas with that number four pick as well. I mean, they already had a number one pick, so they were going to be good. And then next year, you know, maybe perhaps uh, Valenciunas comes in. He finally makes it over to the NBA, and they're going to have another high pick probably next year. They're probably going to have a lottery pick next year. Then all of a sudden you get your lottery pick, and then you get last year's pick as well. So I think that they were very much in a better position to draft Valenciunas than the Raptors were. But we are going to go ahead and start crashing the net right now with uh, with Aaron Egemeyer. Aaron, I'm what's going on, man? Time. Not too much, John. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, finishing up some NBA draft talk. Um, we're going to switch gears, though, and go over to the um, to the NHL draft, which happened the following night in uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota. Aaron, did you were you able to catch any of the uh, any of the first round that was televised of the NHL draft? Yeah, I actually um, watched the. I started recording it, and I came home about eight thirty. Started watching it, and I, was, I caught up after about three picks. And uh, yeah, I watched till you know um, the Red Wings came up, and then they announced that they were <laughs> leaving the first round. So I went to the bar. <laughs> yeah, we're. Uh... <laughs> oh man, that sounds like a good night. Yeah, Aaron. Well. Aaron texted me that night, and you know we were—I was sitting there watching it, you know—and I was probably in the same position Aaron was. You know, I'm ready. Okay, we finally get through most of the first round because the Red Wings are drafting 24 originally, and finally they get to the Penguins. The Penguins are drafting 23, and all of a sudden Gary Bettman gets up on the podium saying that the Red Wings traded their draft pick to Ottawa, and um, the Red Wings will now be drafting their with their first pick 35th overall instead of 24th overall. So we weren't going to see the Red Wings pick that night after sitting all night, you know, waiting for them to finally come around at 24. Um, but uh, but the Edmonton Oilers ended up having the number one pick in this past draft, drafting uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins um, with the Red Deer Rebels out of uh, the WHL. Is that correct, Aaron? And um, it seemed like he was the general, you know, consensus as far as the number one overall pick with uh, with Edmonton. And it seems like Edmonton right now is uh, is getting themselves a nice, nice young team that's going to be uh, that's going to be, you know, a, a team that you're really going to have to look out for here in the next couple of years. No, definitely. You know, um, they're definitely rebuilding the right way through the draft. Um, they're getting some solid veterans to kind of show them some leadership, but. Uh, they're also drafting young guys that have that leadership ability. You know, Taylor Hall is almost a tailor-made captain. Uh, you know, Nugent Hopkins um, has been portrayed as a bit of a shy guy with the media, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. He's very humble, um, and, you know, he leads by example on the ice. So they're definitely building a very strong team. And um, with them adding Ryan Smith back to the team again, I think that will only help improve that leadership role. Um, as far as this year's draft, uh, Aaron, I mean – you know, now that now that it's it's come and it's gone, I mean, can you really take out some winners and losers from uh from what we've seen happen last last uh, Friday and uh, over the weekend? You know, there's a couple teams that really stick out that came away as winners. Um, you know, just based off of either luck from drafting uh, who fell to them, um, or you know, by, by making some really important trades. Uh, you know, Detroit really ended up looking pretty well by trading down. 
I think they got two really solid guys um, with their number two picks, and, you know, they really drafted a couple really good defensive prospects. Uh, Philadelphia really lucked out getting Couturier at eight. Um, Colorado, I think, had two really solid picks. I wasn't too happy about the defensive pick, but after researching the guy, he got they, they really filled the void by trading Lyle to Toronto, who I thought Toronto did really well during the draft as well. They got some really solid players. Uh, New Jersey lucked out getting Larson at four. That guy's going to be, I think, a phenomenal defenseman, and he's ready to go right out of the bat. Yeah, it seemed like he could have been a, uh, a few months ago. It seemed like he could have possibly been the number one pick leading yeah, up to Yeah, definitely. I mean, we talked about him quite a few times, I know, on the show, and mm-hmm. he's, um, he's definitely, it was surprising to see him go down to four. What about some teams that maybe came out in the short end of things here? Um, you know, I think uh, really the guys who traded more during, I think, got really kind of short-sighted there. Um, I really didn't like San Jose uh, signing Setaguchi and then trading him right away to Minnesota. I really thought that was kind of a low blow as a GM to do. Um, I didn't like Chicago making those two big moves. Um, I think they could have gotten a lot more from Troy Brower than, you know, just a lower first-round pick, um, which ended up being, who was it? Um, Philip Denault, I think, mm-hmm. is how you say his name, but that's who they ended up drafting. And I mean, it, he's just not the kind of player Brower is already. So I think that they're kind of trying to really free up cap space, and I, it kind of didn't. I didn't like that, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more. But um, Columbus, I thought, could have made a lot more moves. Um, you know, they landed Jeff Carter. That's a big addition. But with the fallout, they could have really kind of directed it to a more positive light by making a big splash in the draft. And I don't think they had, they took the opportunity to do that. Um, Florida taking out, you know, Brian Campbell, despite, I actually like their New Jerseys, and I thought that was a plus for them. But taking Brian Campbell off of Chicago's books for, you know, a prospect, you know, it's good for them. But I don't think in the long run that's the way to rebuild your team. So I didn't like the way they handled the draft either. Well, one thing I wanted to uh, get your opinion on, Aaron, is again, you know, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of Red Wings fans listening in, and um, it seemed like the uh, what was surprising is Thomas Jerko uh, falling to them at thirty-five, and this guy has kind of become a, a YouTube sensation with uh, with some of the moves he's he has, and he almost looks like, and I've. And this is this is my first thought after watching him, that this guy is maybe the next Pavel Datsuk for the Red Wings. Um, you know, he definitely has the ability. He's got really soft hands that can move the puck. I mean, you don't have to look any further than YouTube to see his highlight reels. Um, I think kind of developing into an NHL level, he'll really fit in. The Wings are great at developing their players that way. Um, the great thing about the kid, though, is he's, still young, but he's already 6'2". That's about three inches taller than Datsuk is. He could be, like, almost a great hybrid of, you know, like a Todd Bertuzzi and a Pavel Datsuk. So if he can keep those hands and develop them like Datsuk did while really putting on some bulk and some muscle, he has phenomenal potential to be a really big impact player. Do you think that maybe he can be kind of like a Brandon Shanahan then? Um, you know, the style of play, definitely. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether they try to kind of um, help him develop as a center if they are content with how he plays at wing. Um, but it'll be definitely interesting to see. He could definitely develop into a Brendan Shanahan-type player. Well, like you, like we were talking about, uh, 
Aaron, as far as the trades go, I mean, the, I mean, teams have been trading like crazy right now in the NHL, and one of those teams that's really been cleaning house is uh, is the Philadelphia Flyers. It seems like they really changed the entire face of their organization by um, by trading Jeff Carter to uh, to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and then going and trading Mike Richards to the uh, to the L.A. Kings, and all this was done to uh, to go and sign Ilya Brzgalov to a uh, what was it a nine year fifty one million dollar contract? Yeah, I mean it just, I mean it's it's it, yeah it's it's it just seems like I don't it doesn't seem like this was a good idea to me. I mean getting rid of two of your best players essentially for one in return in Brzgalov. I mean. Do you see any upside to this trade at all? Um, I think the upside is it's going to clean up their locker room a little bit. Um, you know, Carter and Richards are both leaders in the locker room, but they've had problems over the past couple years. You know, they had a couple scandals with um, players and wives and things like that. But So I think that'll help kind of clean the locker room up. It puts a lot on Chris Pronger as a leader because he's their only alternate left. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who they promote to captain. But... I mean, like you said, yeah, this was a move I really didn't expect at all. Um, I don't think either of the players expected it. Um, I think it's going to set a very interesting precedent in the NHL. Just because you have a long-term contract with our team doesn't mean you're going to stay there. Um, But, yeah, it's definitely um, a really interesting thing that Philly's going with. And, uh, you know, Carter to Columbus, that really makes the Central Division a lot more difficult. Uh, Columbus was always missing that one center right to go alongside Rick Nash, and they're going to have a very dominant line, but um, Carter's going to have to really step up, and he started doing it today, but, you know, he waited a long time to come out and talk to the press and the media, and I think that's going to come off, you know, it makes him look like a whiny brat about it. Yeah. Um, it's just It's just business. <laughs> yeah, both players seem like they were extremely disappointed, and, um, and, uh, and being traded and being shipped out of Philadelphia. Um, but Brzgalov, though, um, obviously played, was the goaltender for the Phoenix Coyotes last year. Um, basically came out after the season and said, you know, he didn't want to, he didn't want to play for them anymore. Um, like I said, signed that nine year, $51 million contract. Um, let me get the breakdown here. He's going to make, uh, he's going to make 10 million this upcoming season. Um, with that number gradually decreasing until it hits 1.25 million in the 2019-2020 season, uh, I don't know. When I see a contract like this given to a goalie that hasn't done much of anything during his time in the NHL, um, I don't know. I think that I think that Brzgalov and I know Squirrel and Nicholas are going to love to hear this. <laughs> I think uh, I think Brzgalov might end up being the next Roberto Luongo. What do you think, Aaron? Um, you know, we're definitely going to find out. Um, you know, and you saw it with Cristobal Huey uh, a couple years ago. You yep. know, he had a phenomenal year, and Chicago picked him up, signed him to a huge contract. And you know, pressure-wise, it just he fell apart. Um, and that's something. It's a it's a whole different market um, going from Phoenix, where there's not that much fan support and there's not that much media scrutiny. You know, and you can get by playing without having to worry about it. But in Philadelphia, they're all about winning, and they proved it by trading away two of their cornerstones of their franchise to get you. So that's going to put a lot of spotlight on them. 
Um, you know, this could be the best thing that ever happens to him. But I think we'll find out, if not in the regular season, definitely when the playoffs come, just whether or not he'll crumble. Yeah, I was going to, you know, I don't know. He might be one of the most hated Philadelphia Flyers right now based off, you know, who they had to get rid of in order to sign him. Um, but uh, moving along, though, and we talked a little bit about the, the draft day deals with uh, that Chicago was making with um, with the Florida Panthers. Uh, and they actually made a couple of deals with them. First, they they sent, uh, like we said, Brian Campbell to the uh, to the Florida Panthers in exchange for. Let me get his name here because I forgot his name. Um, I want to hear you try it. All right, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get this one right. Watch this. Watch this. It's coming up. Anyways. No, I don't have it up yet. Rostislav Ale. There we go. See, that's I knew that. I knew that was the name. But they get him back in return for Brian Campbell, which again, like you said, was was a salary dump for uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks. And then they went and they traded uh, Thomas Kopetsky to the uh, to the Florida Panthers as well. And this was they got a seventh round draft pick in return for him. And again, too, they weren't. He was going to be a uh, an unrestricted free agent coming up this Friday. So basically, what Florida is trying to do is 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 get a deal done with him before he becomes that unrestricted free agent. But recent, you weren't too impressed of what Chicago was doing on um, on draft night here with these with this well the Brian Campbell trade in particular. No, not really. Um, you know, it, and you you found it exactly. It was a it was a salary cap dump. Um, Brian Campbell had a monster contract that no team would really be willing to pick up based off how he played in Buffalo, and then when he came to Chicago, his numbers severely dropped. Um, you know, and the guy they traded for, he's not a huge prospect. He's kind of maybe a third, fourth, the fourth line player, uh, fill-in guy. So, you know, I, Florida must be really trying to either make the basement salary cap or they really see something in Brian Campbell that can turn their team around. Which, it's possible. They don't have very many veterans on that team to kind of lead them. And Brian Campbell could be that guy. But for Chicago, you know, this is really kind of almost, it, it's baffling how Dave, Dale, Dave Talon from Florida just seems to think he still works for the Chicago organization because there's no way in my mind how this works out for both teams except just to give Chicago more money to play without come free agency. Yeah, um, yeah. Again, too, it was. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I really didn't see them trading away Brian Campbell. I mean, what does this do to them defensively going into next season? If uh, you know, if they don't make some moves here on the uh, in the free agent market. Uh, well, you know, they still have some pretty cornerstone defensemen. They got uh, Brent Seabrook, uh, Duncan Keith. You know, those two guys alone are phenomenal, and you can you can try to draft through the free agency a little bit. I didn't really see anyone they picked up that kind of caught my eye that could insert right in. Um, but they have some guys they could probably deal with in the minors or make a free agent signing. Who knows? Maybe they'll pick up Lilia or uh, even mm-hmm. Filet if he doesn't come back. But, you know, there, there's plenty of serviceable guys. I, I don't know. I don't see Chicago really making a big enough deal to kind of make a push at the Stanley Cup again this year, that's for sure. Do you think they're kind of still suffering the effects of what happened with them in the salary cap? Uh, you know, 
the year after or last year when after they won the Stanley Cup when they had to keep on dumping salary and dumping salary I mean are they like are they still feeling the effects of that right now I, I think they're still feeling the effects from the year before when they made all those contracts mm-hmm. to try to get guys to build that team definitely um, you know like I said Campbell had a monster contract that wasn't worth a player of his caliber but um, I think they're trying to find pieces to rebuild their team still yeah um, and I think they still have to yeah, shed salary to do it well, there was some, uh, th- there were some re-signings as well. Uh, Kevin Bieksla re-signed with the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Um, I had his contract right here in front of me. Um, looks like he's going to be getting a. He will get a five-year deal at twenty-three million dollars, and Kevin Bieksla was arguably one of the uh, one of Vancouver's best players throughout the entire playoffs. Um, and I kind of figured that they would do everything that they could to re-up him this off-season. Um, good move, bad move for Vancouver. What do you think? Um, it's a good move, you know. Like you just said, he was one of their better defensive pair, uh, defensemen during the playoffs. He had a very solid season. Um, that's only going to be a 3.5 hit against their cap, I believe. Um, you know, and him and Hamhuth, they were the best line in hockey at the end of games for the whole regular season. So, uh, you know, it's definitely a very good signing for them. Um, he took a real good discount. He could have probably made $5 million a year, no problem, on the free agent market this year. Um, another free agent signing as well was uh, Brooks Latch of the Washington Capitals. Ended up getting a six-year, $27 million deal to stay with the Capitals. Um, this is a guy that seems like he's kind of fallen under the radar a little bit because of Alexander Ovechkin in Washington. Um, I mean, that's a pretty hefty contract, though. What do you think of uh, of the six year deal for uh, for for uh, Brooks Leach there? Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a head scratcher. That's some solid money for you know a guy who's been who will usually sit around fifty points a season. Um, but you know, he's a versatile player. He can play in any situation at any of the forward positions. He can take face-offs. He can play on the penalty kill, the power play. Um, and, you know, he's a big locker room leader. He's uh, one of those guys who people will listen to, even if he's not your superstar. He's a guy that, you know, in the community he gives back. So it's definitely one of those contracts where they want to keep him there probably for as long as they can. Um, and, you know, I think he was pretty stern on he wants to be there. He wants a long-term contract. Um and it's definitely, you know, a solid signing for the Capitals, but it might come back to hurt them down the line a little bit. There's actually a guy I was kind of hoping the Wings would go after this offseason. Oh, definitely. If he, He'd be a perfect Red Wing. Yeah, if he, if he was still there. And he's still relatively young, too. He's only 28 years old. So um, moving right along, though, I, one of the big, big stories that kind of came out this past weekend, Aaron, was, uh, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, was the NHL realignment Um it seemed like some executives within the NHL kind of leaked things out to the media saying that, yes, and, and there will, in fact, be a, a huge, huge realignment coming next season um, where they're, where it looks like they're going to go ahead and get rid of the, uh, the East-West format and perhaps go back to the, uh, the Campbell Conference and the Wales Conference, and instead of having... And instead of having six divisions, there was only going to be four divisions, two divisions with eight teams, and then the other two divisions with seven teams. Um, and I, I, I 
did take a look at some of the at some of the concepts as far as how these divisions would be laid out. Um, and if anybody was interested in hearing what the Red Wings division would look like, um, they would consist of uh, themselves, Toronto, Buffalo, Montreal, Pittsburgh. Where am I at? Am I at five right there? Um, yeah. Ottawa would be the sixth team. I can't remember if they're going to have seven or eight teams. Oh, the Boston Bruins were in there as well. Um, and uh, I believe Columbus was in there too. I believe they only had a, a seven-team division. But you had me at Montreal. Oh yeah, I mean Montreal, Toronto. Obviously, the Red Wings would have to sacrifice Chicago in that case. But I mean, yeah, I mean, but getting, but getting Montreal and even Pittsburgh too. Yeah, oh, that's so sweet. I mean, that's I mean, me? I mean, that's one of the more you know you know recent rivalries that the that the Red Wings have had. But Aaron, it seems like this is going to be something that's going to be popular amongst a, a good portion of NHL fans. Um, what do you think of this massive realignment, though, that looks like it's going to be coming next season? I mean, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting uh, to see how they do it. I think the most imp- I mean, because depending where you look, there's almost dozens of different realignment uh, proposals out there. You know, whether it's going to be four divisions, whether it's going to be even uh, based off of geographics, whether it's going to be based off of time zones. Um, you know, it's, it's very interesting, and it's fun to, you know, think about, but... The thing I think they need to figure out more than anything is obviously rivalries and playoffs. How they're going to, because I've heard they're going to do, you know, the top four teams from each division, and it's going to be a divisional playoff and then a regular conference playoff. So it's going to be it's going to be really weird to see how they can actually get this to work to try to make all the teams happy. Because obviously a couple teams aren't happy right now, namely Detroit, uh, Nashville, and Columbus. They don't like to travel. They don't like just even sometimes the divisions. A lot of teams hate and love Detroit, but it's going to be very hard, I think, for them to decide and actually cement through 30 different teams how they're going to align these divisions. I was going to say, I mean, you definitely, and I agree with you there, it's going to be hard to make everyone happy, but, I mean, they made it work for over 25 years. I mean, why is it, and I know there's a lot more teams now, but, it's one of those things like it worked just fine. I remember when they got rid of the whales in Campbell. I, as a thirteen-year-old kid, was like, "Why are they doing this? This is like not necessary. They don't need to to do this." I, to this day, it's just like I don't know. I just hated that they ever did it in the first place. So, uh, I just to me, I think this is the best news I've heard out of hockey in so long. I can't even remember. Yeah, it's yeah. No, I agree definitely. Yeah, it's um, I, 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 for one, hope it happens. I'd love to see this happen. And I also heard rumors, too, that they might go back to the old division names as well. They might go back to the Adams and the Patrick and the, and the Norris division and um, the Smite division, too. And I think, I think that would be absolutely great. The only thing is, though, is does it seem a little fishy to you that, you know, Gary Bettman could go along with an idea like this? I mean... Aaron, yeah, I mean, Aaron, do you, do, yeah, do, do you smell a rat? Because it seems like this would be a good move by the NHL to do this. And Gary Bettman hasn't had many good moves in the NHL aside from the Winter Classic. Um, well, you know, I think it's almost, you know, all of this is, I think, a product of the NHL starting to finally regain some mainstream support 
Um, you know, they've done phenomenal on NBC and Versus is finally becoming a legitimate sporting channel almost. Um, and I think that's, you know, starting to affect, you know, <clears throat> Atlanta being so easily moved. Um, it's starting to really gain ground. The Stanley Cup finals are becoming relevant again. People are talking about it. And, you know, I think that's, I think that's what Bettman wants more than anything. And I think this will help even solidify it further in a step of, okay, we're making the people who love hockey happy. And this will make more sense for people to be able to watch teams develop in the older rivalries and the newer rivalries. And it's something we can implement to make the sport more watchable. So I think that, yeah, he'll go along with it as long as it benefits the actual league. And the second it doesn't, he's gone. And no matter how good it is for fans or teams, he's not going to support it. But he will as long as it supports the league. Well, we actually had a question, too, and this might play into the NHL realignment here. Um, this actually came from Tony of the Major SoCal. And he said with, uh, with Matthew Hulsizer, Backing out of the Phoenix Coyotes purchase, does this spell the end for the Coyotes in Arizona next season? Um, because it seems like they're going to be in the same position next season that they were this season. Because it's they're probably going to have to fork over $25 million again um, in order to keep the team there. And to me, it seems like this massive realignment is the NHL being proactive instead of reactive because... If the if the Coyotes are going to be moving out of Arizona, then the rumor is is they're going to end up going back to uh, to Quebec City. I mean, is this is this just the NHL being proactive here with the massive realignment and you know the Coyotes potentially being moved out of uh, out of Phoenix? I think if they're going to look at it that way, I think they would just honestly realign divisions as it is now, because then you got a team if you got them going to either Quebec or Hamilton, as it you know is the other rumor. If they're going that way, then they kind of almost replace the team that the East lost in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, then you could just move some people around in the division and you're set to go. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle it if they're actually thinking that way and if they want to then realign every division or just kind of shuffle some teams up and down. What do you think? Do you think Phoenix is done, though, or the Coyotes are done in Phoenix next year? Uh, it's going to be a long season for them, that's for sure. Uh, I, I do. I think that they are eventually going to lose the team. I don't think the city of Glendale can keep supporting them financially enough for that. Um, they need an actual owner, like you know, someone who, uh, like Buffalo's new owner, um, name's escaping me right now. But you know, someone who walks in, loves the sport, loves the city. They need an owner like that right now because they're just not going to survive with someone trying to look for a profit because there's not going to be one for another five, ten years probably for that team. You know who should buy them? And Tony and I talked about this on Around the Diamond for the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban should go out and he should buy the uh, the Phoenix Coyotes. I think he would be. Uh... If he's interested in hockey, he'd definitely be a good owner, <laughs> that's for sure. He was, he was interested in the Penguins a few years ago when they were going through their ownership issues and... Yeah. I don't know. I think Mark Cuban might be a good a good option for them. One last thing um, here before we let you go. Uh, 2011 Hall of Fame class was announced today. Um, Ed Belfour, Joe Neuendijk, Doug Gilmore, and Mark Howe are going to be the, uh, the 2011 Hall of Fame uh, class that will be officially inducted on November 14th over at the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. Um, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on this year's class? 
Um, I'm pretty impressed with it. I was uh, a little surprised a couple names weren't on there, but, um, you know, Newendike and Gilmore I knew were going to be in it. Um, that's, you know, they've been around for a long time. They've got a lot of hardware, um, a lot of points, and a lot of games. Um, Ed Bell Ford definitely deserves it. Um, he's a phenomenal goalie, and considering his place and, you know, wins all time, he definitely deserves it. Um, but, yeah, Newendike, you know, he's a guy who played for five teams, so it's kind of fun to see guys like that get into the hall. But he's a natural leader. Uh, he won three Stanley Cups. Um, you know, Doug Gilmore, 20-year veteran. Again, that's something where very, very rare in the NHL these days. Um, and, you know, the Mark Howell one definitely surprised me. Um, he's obviously, you know, a guy we love here in Detroit, but despite his father's reputation, he had a very stellar hockey career. Um you know, three-time runner Norris in the nor- runner-up in the Norris. Um, never got a Stanley Cup, you know, sadly for him. But he made his presence known. And, you know, when he played in Detroit, he was probably, I think, our most valuable mentor to our current captain, Nick Lidstrom. Uh, yeah, he was... I was... Go ahead. No, no I was just going to say I, I loved him when he was in Detroit. I thought he was an excellent player. One of those, you know, typical stay-at-home defense. I don't want to say typical. It sounds like a one of those, you know, prototypical... Stay-at-home defenseman, Mark. You know Mark Howe, and he, I, I loved him when he was here in Detroit. Oh, in play, he was always my favorite player on defense. I, honestly, in playing hockey myself, that is who I based my play off of was Mark Howe. The way he played, <laughs> I loved how he played. I loved Mark Howe. I'm just, I'm like so excited about this. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, he definitely, definitely deserves to be in the hall. Um, I was a little surprised that Lindros didn't make it this year. Uh, but, again, Mark Howe is a great choice. Yeah, it was a pretty deep uh, – the candidates were pretty deep. There was uh, Pavel Bure, Eric Lindros, Theo Fleury, John LeClaire, and Phil Housley. Um, all of those guys, unfortunately, will have to wait another year, but I'm sure they'll uh, at some point, you know, most if not all of those guys will get into the Hall of Fame. So, uh, oh, definitely. Other than that, uh, Aaron, um, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us this week, though. My pleasure, guys. And Squirrel, happy birthday. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. <laughs> no problem, all right? You guys have a good night, and we'll talk to you next week, all you right? You too, Aaron. Too. We'll see you later. Have a good night. I will say that I feel genuinely old when Ed Belfour is making it to the Hall of Fame since, I mean, I vividly remember when he first started in the league as a rookie, <laughs> having a conversation with my father uh, and having him go, man, I'll tell you what, that Belfour kid from Blackhawk, he's going to be real good. <laughs> I vividly remember it. I just remember because, of course, I hated him because I hated the Blackhawks. But I do remember going. I was mainly mad because I'm like, man, they got an all star. You know what, though? He was an easy guy to hate, though, too. Oh, he was. He was an asshole. He was the – he was the – I don't know any other goalie, maybe besides – Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh. Well, he's up there with, like, Patrick Waugh, um, Bill Rand, Ron Hextall, of just – Douchebag goalies, oh, yeah. and that's and that's and he, but he was awesome though too. He oh, was, there was no doubt he was good. He wasn't like Ron Hextall who sucked. Yeah, right, Hextall <laughs> was awesome. But yeah, I mean, Ed Belfour, Ed Belfour, <laughs> well on. Plus, he scored a goal and he was yeah, awesome. That's right, he did score. A goal. <laughs> I always like Hextall because he was a dick. That was why I liked him because he was more. He would just wail on. That was sweet to me. Did, did Axel have two goals in his career? I think later in his career, he was the first goalie ever to score, though. I think I think one of I think one of his goals was actually a garbage type goal. Oh, all oh, goals, yeah, like goalie scoring. Yeah. Well, 
Because well, usually goalies throw some mad deeks. I was going to say that, yeah, Osgood's was skill-based. Well, no, I mean, Osgood's, I mean, he shot it down the ice and it went in the net. I think, I and Hacksaw's, one of them I know for sure was was one that he shot down the ice himself. But I think one another one, though, like, he was the last one to touch the puck and, like, somebody else on the other team accidentally put the puck in their own net. Oh, so, it was like a deflection almost. Yeah, so, well, Hextall didn't actually put the puck into the net like Osgood did. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was, a, a, they didn't have anybody else yeah. to give the goal to, so they ended up giving it to Hextall. He was Hextall. the last person on the other team to touch the yes, puck. Yes, exactly, exactly. Oh, no, when Hextall scored, I mean, obviously, like, Osgood admitted he was trying to score a goal, and goalies have admitted that. When Hextall scored his goal, he was, like, legitimately just <laughs> dumping the puck, and it went in the net. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what Osgood, oh, well, Osgood, it's kind of, when I remember the replay, it kind of looked like he was actually shooting for the net. Oh, yeah, it's but, totally looking. But like I, I, and they were playing the Hartford Whalers, too, at that time. And I remember the next morning when that happened, because I didn't stay up to watch God, the was entire Was it that day. long ago? Yeah. So Jeez, it, oh, I remember the next morning that my dad coming out to me, he's like, hey, guess who scored last night for the Red Wings? And I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Bob Airy? Who? And, <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, Chris Osgood. I'm like, really? So I remember, you know, was during the day, you couldn't just go on a YouTube and watch it. So I remember waiting oh, all yeah. day to watch the news. To watch the news later on that night to see Osgood's goal, which it was. It was awesome. It was. It was cool as hell. But, um, but yeah, Eddie Belfort. Then another guy too. I used to hate was Doug Gilmore. Oh my! God. Out of all those I, years playing, everybody hates Doug. Gilmore. Well, if you're a Red Wings fan, oh yeah, you God. absolutely hated no, Doug. Gilmore. Everybody. Doug Gilmore's mom <laughs> hates him. Other than Timmel from Grouty Radio, because Timmel's yeah. an asshole. Wait, Timmel loves Doug Gilmore. Yes, yes yeah. he loved. Yes, he loved. Doug does he Gilmore. love Felix Potman too? He, he does. He does. does he? Yeah. God. Wait, he likes Tim Shovelday, and he also likes Felix. It doesn't He's, seem like that can go together. It doesn't. It does. Yeah, it makes absolutely no. He liked Felix. He yeah. probably likes Bob Essenza too, doesn't he? Well, how can't you like Essenza? Essenza was great. He well, hey, he just won a Stanley Cup. <laughs> I didn't yeah, really. He was the goaltending coach the for the Bruins. The... I was, uh, me and uh, me and Artifact were watching the Stanley Cup Finals, and when Essence's came name came up, we were like, "Oh, this is so awesome!" <laughs> I was like, I was texting Tim and everything, and we thought it was funny because one of the, I think one of the goalies on Boston said his favorite player growing up was Essence, and we were like, "Oh God, are you kidding me?" And then when we saw that, we're like, "Oh." Oh, he must have been saying that to kiss his ass or something. Bob Essenza gets a gets a Stanley Cup ring. It's, it's, it's great. <laughs> it's a great day for for mediocre players in the league. <laughs> but uh, like we were saying, we we're talking about with Aaron. It was a pretty deep, uh, pretty deep class. Pavel Bure, I think Pavel Bure for sure eventually. Oh, he'll make. I, th- I think. I think. I think one of the one of the best players in the NHL probably never win a Stanley Cup. And he was close in '94 with Vancouver. Yep. Um, no, but, he was a very good player, but he was he was one of my favorites too at the time when he was uh, when he was in his heyday with the Canucks. I, used oh, to, yeah. I loved Pavel Bure, Heyman, Sergey Fedorov, awesome, awesome players, and they both kind of shared Anna Konnikova. So, um, but uh, Eric Lindros, I mean, he was good. I mean, he it's when he I mean, when he was the Flyers, but see, I don't know head injuries though, and it really took their toll. And I, I no, think I think Eric Lindros, in my opinion. Was a little bit overrated, as he, far as, as compared to the hype. I don't disagree. The, yeah. Compared to the hype that oh, he was sure. given, because I mean, if if you weren't around then, it was LeBron James style. The media wasn't like it was back then, how it is now. But mm-hmm. that was the hype given to Eric mm-hmm. Lindros. I mean, oh, yeah. he was 
he was the next, you know, it, they were calling him like the next Gretzky, which wasn't his fault. And it was crap anyway, because when he came out and don't he, when he was in his prime, Lindros was awesome. Oh, sure. But yeah. he wasn't that kind of a player. He wasn't a flashy player. He was more defensive-minded, he was a mm-hmm. big guy. So him getting the next like Gretzky label was unfortunate for him because actually it hurt him mm-hmm. just exposure-wise because even when he was having a great year, everyone was like, when's Litsum going to, you know, really, or, uh, when's Lindros really going to, you know, step out? And it's like, he is. He's just not that <laughs> kind of player. He's not, uh, he's not a speedy center. Yeah. I mean, so, um, you know, injuries totally hurt him. But Lindros still, when he was... I mean that five or six year period, Lindros was really good. So, if that is that worthy of a Hall of Fame status, I don't know. I don't know if that is. See, I guess if you ask me, um, I guess I probably wouldn't induct Eric Lindros to the Hall of Fame. Based, uh, it, it sucks. You have to, you know, put injuries into account here. I don't know but you do, though. you know, his 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 career wasn't very sustainable. Nope. I mean, he had he was. When you look at Aaron, Eric Lindros, when was he good? It was when he was with Philadelphia. Yeah. After that, he ended up and went and played for the New York Rangers, the I believe, Rangers. after that. I believe he had he spent some time in Toronto. And you, you, never, right. you never really heard a lot about Eric. I mean, you heard a lot about him, but most of it was him dealing with injuries and trying to yeah. come back. And you, were, you also heard a lot about his dad, too, having his, you know, as his agent, having the run-ins with Bobby Clark. And yeah, but having yeah. a run-in with Bobby Clark. I mean, Bobby Clark yeah, is true. one of the biggest yeah. assholes that ever walked the earth. I, mean, so. I had three run-ins with Bobby Clark <laughs> on the way here. Clark <laughs> is such a piece of filth. He's the Lenny Dykstra of, of <laughs> hockey. I mean, that guy is just, and of course, wow, shocker, it's in Philadelphia. Philadelphia it's yeah, a, What a crap city. Sorry, people of Philadelphia. But you, I understand that brotherly love is a uh, ironic title that you've given yourselves, yeah. but it's that man... <laughs> I, you, I, do you ever hear anything positive ever come out of that city? I mean, no. it's almost like Detroit. <laughs> it's almost like the Detroit level of ridiculousness that comes out of that city. Yeah, we had that cool Chrysler 200 commercial at the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. What you done, Philly? <laughs> hey, they have Rocky. Yeah, but they took down the statue. Yeah, that was dumb. That's Why the stupid, hell they do that? Man. Yeah, put up a statue of a, of a fictional character. It's awesome. Rocky's <laughs> real. <laughs> Did you ever see Rocky Balboa? Mike Tyson was in it. Oh, yeah, Mike Tyson yeah, was yeah, in it. Yeah, I've seen the movie. <laughs> Mike Tyson was in Rocky Balboa. And uh, yeah. what's his name? Antonio Car- Tarver was in that movie. I mean, that's what he fought. Time of the Machine Gun was in Rocky Five. Oh, yeah. No one watches Rocky Five. That is terrible. I, I like Rocky I like Five. Rocky five. I like Rocky oh. Five. Rocky oh, Four is my least favorite. Oh, Rocky Four is definitely my least favorite. Rocky Five is my least favorite. Rocky Four. Rocky Four is awesome. No, Rocky yep. Four sucks. Rocky Four sucks. I look like you. Rocky. Don't get me wrong. I just still enjoy it. I've watched it goes a one, times, two, six, three, five, four. For me, it that's goes. That's the order. That's not my personal order. That That's the order. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the order of from good to bad. Well, my order, which I think is more true than that, <laughs> it's two, one, six, three, four, five. Yours wasn't that much different than mine. Five is just terrible. Five is terrible. Yeah, you switch two and one. I don't disagree with that. that that's kind of, or I, well, I disagree with it, but I don't. You can don't see the say, argument. Yeah, behind. no, I, I don't take big fault in that. And what? You just, you switched. Uh, I put, I think my you boldest. You switched three and five, didn't you? My boldest move was putting six in front of three. I put six in front of three. Did too. you put six in front yeah, of three? Yeah, six oh. was number three for mine, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. I put, I just went one, two, six. Yeah, Raggy Bubble was awesome. Oh, it was great. And I, I don't know. I, I wasn't sold on. Mr. T 
being Clubber mm-hmm. Lane. And no, I actually I like Rocky Five and I Hogan too. Yeah, I liked how in Rocky Five he never actually gets in the ring. I mean, I thought that was cool. It was so cheesy though. I mean, my ring's out here. Yeah, it's just <laughs> touch me as soon. Yeah, touch me as soon. And what Sue else was? For what? Yeah, Sue. <laughs> <laughs> and then son, I love it. <laughs> and then his son there too, which is that was actually that was actually that was his kid. Yeah, yeah. Was actually which song is a stuff. good choice in Rocky Balboa to you know actually put an actor in yeah. that role. <laughs> Come on, Daddy took my room. <laughs> uh, horrible. M- mine goes two six one three five four actually. Two six. Yeah. Okay. I love Rocky Balboa. Rocky Balboa awesome. I it was think awesome. Especially the comeback tale of six. And emotionally, it's the most affecting. There's oh, a yeah. couple scenes in that movie. I got to watch that shit by myself. Oh, yeah. And then you're When wonder- he's talking about Adrian <laughs> and shit when Paulie is, that shit <laughs> gets get me. Let's get the gallon of ice cream. Yeah. It's horrible, <laughs> man. They do a good job incorporating like all the different movies together into oh, that totally one, too. Do. And that's something they totally didn't do with the fifth one. Oh, like Spider-Man so- comes back. Well, yeah. Well, in the fifth one, all of a sudden. I loved that. That was great. Well, like in the like in the fifth one, okay. Um, all we know is Paulie made some bad business moves, and all of a sudden Rocky's out, basically on the street and in the poorhouse in Philadelphia. Well, that's the the problem with the fifth one, especially too, is you hate Paulie. Like they make you just hate Paulie. Yeah, such a because it's and it doesn't even the ending. After isn't they bought him really. that robot, I know yeah. it got like the the only robot that was functionally in the A, like properly. Well, that was my in the big 80s. problem with four. Oh, yeah. same here. Because the first five minutes pretty much ruined. Yeah, that and you know it's and it oh, was, it was like it, the kid from Silver Spoons and Polly had the only two robots. <laughs> yeah, no shit in the eighties, and that's it. I mean, R two D two and C three PO they count for the seventies. <laughs> even though even though Jedi came out later, but it doesn't matter. I mean, that's it's oh, yeah. yeah, dude. It was the a brat from Silver Spoons and Polly. That's it. <laughs> Schroeder had a robot. I forgot about that. <laughs> but, you, know, you know what? It, it was unfortunate because it came out in the eighties, like in the mid eighties, when you just had that total eighties cheese that was oh. thrown on every single movie. It was thick. It was very thick too. You get the cheesy eighties music with him driving in the car when he's. Thinking about, oh man, should I go to Russia? Yeah, and then he's working out in Russia and he's climbing the mountain, man. Yeah, hey, that's it's a little edgy though because they do start talking about uh, you know performance enhancing drugs way back then. Oh yeah, when Drago I mean, was, uh, Drago's yeah, he was on, juicing. Up. He's juicing. Well, because that's I love it, especially since we had uh, we've uh, had such issues the last twenty years about it because that movie is just trashing the Soviet Union and saying <laughs> the Soviet Union cheats. They're using drugs. <laughs> Americans are clean. <laughs> I mean, that's basically the message hey, in that movie. Rocky stops the Cold War. He does? Yeah, he does, yeah. <laughs> we can get along. That, we can like, get along. The end of that movie is so dumb. We can change. Maybe I'm, just, maybe I'm just a total a-hole. I don't know. Probably. But You're anti-American if you don't like no, Rocky no, more. That, it's cool. It's just I really respect that Rocky can, like, Get over it and just realize that oh, I just bridged the gap between communism no. and capitalism by punching this guy out. <laughs> yes. and that's really neat. But at the same time, I'd be like, you know, all right, I get it. You know, all right, all this is good, but this dude just still just did just like kill my best friend. Like, oh, totally. Ago. So I'm like, you know what? You know what? Made I'm not gonna just like a guy, no matter what happens. Okay, you just went through war together in the ring. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really great. You just, you know, saved two countries. But I'm still gonna be like, yeah, way to kill my best friend 80 minutes ago. And then they douche. say, and then, well, not only that, and then the the Russian crowd starts cheering for Rocky yeah. too at the end. Which is, which they so don't speak English. So they don't even know what the hell he just said. <laughs> 
Well, no, they're the translator. They're the translator. No, yeah. they have a translator. You yeah, can't even understand people who are smoking. Like, she was like, Aah. yeah, ex- yeah, <laughs> that's true. Adrian. <laughs> no, and that is the other thing too. The fact that Apollo dies in the movie totally sucks, especially the way he dies. Like, this yeah, is so, it's weird. It just makes me mad. Rocky should have thrown that in, in the towel. Rocky. Yeah, why didn't Rocky throw in the towel? Because Apollo so wouldn't here. let him. Because Apollo's an ass. That's why. <laughs> no, they, well, they kind of rip on American. They make Americans look like douchebags too. Well, they just make Americans <laughs> look like reckless <laughs> retard. <laughs> Apollo coming in with James Brown. Okay, yeah, no <laughs> shit. <laughs> Oh God! Anyway, yeah. how the hell do we get on the Rocky talk? <laughs> I, I can't the Rocky statue in Philly. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Do you guys want to change the subject? Because if I can change, and you can change, <laughs> and we all can change. Well, we're gonna go ahead and change to a commercial here, though. Uh, <laughs> this is the Majors Live on the Majors Net. We'll be right back. I wasn't going to school because I was just making money stealing cars. Well, I was 10 when I first got involved with drugs. I skipped school because, you know, nobody cared. When I first got pregnant, school was not important to me, so I dropped out. I just thought the only way I can make something out of my life is that if I get an education. I still need to go to school to make, make it for myself. Stay in school. Give yourself a chance. I think I'm happier now. I know I'm happier now. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. This is Carl Edwards here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You want to make a difference? It's simple. Be responsible. Plan ahead. Designate before you celebrate. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. People have all kinds of excuses for not saving energy. I didn't plug it in. I'll turn it off later. It's not my music. It's just one phone charger. So um, we don't have those Energy Star appliances. So that old window leaks. How much energy and money could the new ones really save? Maybe it's time to stop making excuses and start doing some simple things to save the energy and resources we can. Because a little here and a little there can add up to a lot later. And you just never know what people will need in the future. My name is Sarah. And I'm going to get started today. We can all help save more energy for tomorrow. What's your excuse? For more energy-saving tips that also save money, visit loseyourexcuse.gov parents. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy, the Ad Council, and the station. This is a Majors update. I am Amanda Hernandez. A person familiar with Major League Baseball's plan say the league probably will file a motion to seize the cash-strapped Los Angeles Dodgers. The person spoke to the Associated Press on the condition of anonymity because of the sensitive nature of the situation. Baseball's constitution allows Commissioner Bud Selig to take control of a team that seeks Chapter 11 protection. MLB must first file a motion seeking termination of the franchise, and the person says that this, that, that is probably going to happen. There is no timetable for that filing, however. A Delaware judge on Tuesday authorized the Dodgers to enter 
into a 150 million bankruptcy financing arrangement. Lauren Cheney and Rachel Bueller each scored second half goals. The United States opened play at the Women's World Cup with a two to nothing victory over a young but scrappy North Korea on Tuesday. After peppering North Korean goalkeeper Hong Mwang Hui all afternoon, Cheney finally broke through in the 54th minute on a header. Bueller got the second goal of her career in the 76th minute, scoring on a thunderous right-footed strike that rolled beneath the outstretched hand of the diving Hong. Terrell Owens is recovering from left knee surgery and plans to be ready to play when the NFL season starts. Owens agent Drew Rosenhaus confirmed Tuesday that the 37-year-old star receiver tore his anterior cruciate ligament, had surgery in early April, and will be playing at the start of the NFL season. In an interview with ESPN, Rosenhaus called speculation that Owens was considering retirement nonsense and that the 15-year veteran is doing fantastic and could be recovered as early as August. Rosenhaus said Dr. James Andrews performed the surgery to the same knee in which Owens tore his meniscus late last year. And one final NFL note, the chief, the chief of a company proposing an NFL stadium for downtown Los Angeles revealed tweaks to his pitch to the city, including plans for a revenue source that would help the city repay bonds to fund the demolition and relocation of a convention center hall displaced by the stadium. AEG president and CEO Tim Leckwick said Monday night at a town hall meeting attended by fans and skeptics of the arena plan that he would ask the city to issue less than $300 million in those bonds down from $350 million. The savings would be realized by privately, by privately building and managing parking garages that the company had previously intended to be city property. The company would expect the city to apply ground lease payments for the stadium and new property tax revenue toward its repayment of the debt on the building, which would be publicly owned, like we said. For more, check out the Majors.net. In the meantime, we'll get back to the Majors Live on the Majors.net. I'm Adam Hernandez. Cool blind melon song, man. Love blind melon. Me too. I, I, I love that song. Shannon Hoon, man. Yep. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Majors Live on the Majors.net. If you're just joining us, this is episode number 67. It's almost a 2,225. Let's search for Tim Day. We did a major uh, cool, cool update with Lickless this week on Wimbledon. Then we talked hockey, crashing the net with Aaron Agemeyer. And uh, we talked about Rocky a lot, too. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your host, Adam Hernandez. Uh, so before we get to the Grouty preview this week, we heard the update about uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers yeah. um, filing for bankruptcy. Um, and we talked about, I talked, you know, Tony and I talked about this in depth on Around the Diamond um, mm-hmm. earlier today at a special time. Um, but it's really sad for baseball, you know, where the Dodgers are at right now. Because just a few short years ago, they were the third most valuable team in Major League Baseball. I, I believe that $800 million was their total net value. Um, obviously, the top was the Yankees and the Red Sox. But, I mean, the Dodgers are one of those teams that are 
you know, historic. I mean, they're they're you know a big time franchise. I mean, sure. before they were in LA, they were in Brooklyn, um, and they've even you know they've done well. They've kept that same nostalgia that they had at Brooklyn in LA and being one of those historic teams that you know. I don't want to say that they've always been there because they've always been in LA, but they've they've just been one of those you know been around in the league. Yeah, they've been around the league. They're one of those staples in, the, in Major League Baseball, and it's, and it's it's sad to see where they're at right now. You know, filing for bankruptcy and having the trouble with ownership, and I think this is kind of a, a testament to not only not just the ownership of the LA Dodgers, but it's how bad LA is of a sports town. I mean, they're they're terrible. They're, I mean, they really. Are. I mean, they you know they're they're. They're doing bad right now with the Dodgers. And, again, it's not just the fans. It's the divorce that Frank McCourt, the current owner of the Dodgers, is going through with with his ex, soon-to-be ex-wife, Jamie McCourt. But we also heard in that last update, too, and we talked about it many, many times before, about an NFL team wanting to, again, give it another try in L.A. when they've already had two chances. I, I know given that L. Davis did have the Raiders there for some time, and L. Davis is crazy, but... They also had the Rams there, too, and I don't know. It, it seems crazy right now for any sports league to try and have anything work in L.A. when you have the problems right now with the Dodgers. Um, obviously, the Lakers are the Lakers. You know, They'll always you know, be a big team in L.A. just because L.A. is, if anything, L.A. is a basketball town. Yeah. Whatever. No, I, I mean, basketball is huge in the entire state of California, too. Sure. Um, but they do support the Dodgers, though. They, mean, they do. They do. And that's why I'm saying it's not all on the fans there. Um, I mean, they average. They're like one of the highest. They actually, I was checking out averages. They average still at like 36,000 a game. So. Mm-hmm, but, I mean, it, I don't know. It's just. Oh, I agree. I think just, LA's a yeah, fucking shitty ass It is. It's, town, it's a horrible sports town. And, you know, and this is mostly based off what's going on with, you know, them trying to bring in another football oh, team. Oh, it's stupid. It's so stupid. So, I don't know. Um, anyways, though, we'll go ahead and move on. Um, Squirrel, what's going on with Grouty tomorrow night? We're going to have Crissini coming on, uh, continuing his feud between oh man between uh, movie guy Bex. But uh, he's got the uh, comic book panel discussion. Is he going to be in studio or no? He's not going to be in oh, studio. Okay. He's going to be calling in. But we also have a special Craigslist watchdog in oh, no. uh, edition tomorrow. Um Artifact and I actually just uh, just just found one that uh, we're gonna we're gonna call this guy at least once tomorrow. Um, we we might just call him with a couple different stories going on, but yeah, we got a uh, we got a guy with a coffin for sale. We got a guy with a couple other things. So, uh, we're... <laughs> the coffee is the coffin gently used. <laughs> I don't. I don't. You know, I don't small know. amounts of dirt on it. <laughs> I don't think it's gently used, but uh, the big shovel gas. It's uh, it's gonna be a good show. So, Had to break uh, open in. the vault. <laughs> so remember, yes. everybody still new. Uh, not not new new, but um, on Wednesday nights, Wednesday eight o'clock Eastern time, here on the majors.net or on Guardy.com. Awesome. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Um, we're gonna go ahead and get into our bitches and badasses. Um, always we discuss who was our biggest bitch who was our biggest badass from this past week in sports tip not here to lead things off so we'll go ahead and throw it to Lickless um, I'll be quick um, my badass this week is Mark Howe for making the getting announced he hasn't been he hasn't been inducted yet but announced that he will be inducted in the uh, 2011 
Uh, NHL Hall of Fame class. Kudos to Mark Howell, one of my favorite players growing up. Very excited about this. Um, and my <clears throat> bitch of the week uh, is Channing Crowder of the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins linebacker, who uh, on his inaugural radio show day that he just started a new radio show in Miami, he uh, admitted that he sold all of his jerseys while uh, playing uh, for the University of Florida. Um, and he basically did it by saying, I totally support Terrell Pryor. Um, and all I'm saying is that maybe hypothetically in college, I, you know, don't have any of my jerseys anymore. You know, hypothetically, some Jacksonville businessmen were really interested in my play. And hypothetically, I sold them all my jerseys. Basically admitting that he uh, had done this while he were was playing in college, which admitting that I think is dumb. Uh, I do it. I don't doubt that this issue of selling uh, sports paraphernalia is probably pretty, honestly, pretty commonplace in college football. Mm-hmm. Just because college players are probably, especially of that caliber, looking for any way to make a buck. But this doesn't hurt Channing Crowder at all. But it possibly could hurt. University of my of Florida, because mm-hmm. now I would not be surprised in the least if the NCAA looks at this and goes, "Well, sure. maybe Florida was doing something like that." And if this gets his old school in trouble, then shame on him. Yeah. Even if Florida was doing something wrong, shame on them anyway. But why would you do this? Yeah. I mean, seriously, that is just a shit thing to do. I totally agree. All right, <laughs> Squirrel, you want to take it? Um, you know, uh, badass this week. I'm just, re- I'm going to be real brief this week, but badass, uh, Jim Leland, just for the, <laughs> this, <laughs> this little temper tantrum he threw the other day. Um, just, you know, I just love stuff. That's old school baseball. You gotta love that. It's funny. You don't want the manager who does it all the time, but, uh, y- you do like to see it every once in a while. It's funny to see that and, uh, keep that kind of thing alive. Um, you know, I'm just going to kind of go a little bit off what Lickless said with the bitch this week. Um, I'm just going to make the entire NCAA and the system just kind of my bitch for the week. You know, and that's, I'm not even going to I'm not even going to say what sport in specific. I'm not even going to say what any person, you know, specifically just the NCAA. I mean, if there's ever been an organization that needs to just be changed you know, from the bottom up, it's the NCAA. They're a total bitch. Eric, do you have one? Yes, I do. All right. Um, Is it Brady Hoke again for uh... (laughs) – No, but he did get another recruit. Awesome. Blake Bars, but my badass is uh, Justin Verlander. Oh, just because he's been pitching out of his mind and he's also the top fantasy baseball player of the month. He's awesome. He is – Justin Verlander has been – he's been unbelievable. I think that his month's ERA is like .61. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's let five runs in his last six starts, I believe. And he gets he he gets pissed off whenever he lets a run in, oh. which like he gets like fuming mad, and it's he, I, I, he gives a, he lets up a walk, yes. and he's like inconsolable, unconsolable. Yeah, he, I mean he goes out there, I mean, <laughs> and when he's and when he goes out there, you you almost you expect now that. Oh, he could throw no hitter here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you legitimately think that, okay, every single outing that Justin Verlander has, 
he can throw a no-hitter, <laughs> which is it's crazy. And that's just how good Justin Verlander has been so far this season. Go ahead, Dory. And uh, my, my bitch is uh, the L.A. Dodgers owner. Frank McCourt. Um, filing bankruptcy. I mean, how does a professional sports owner file bankruptcy and can't pay his players and owes money to other teams from trades, owns Manny Ramirez, and just owns, like, a bunch of money from to players. And, like, if you're a professional owner, and then going on and blaming the commissioner because he didn't get some TV contract. Well, I think I think he owes Squirrel some money, too, because I think Squirrel bought him a coffee from Speedway. I did. I did, yeah. <laughs> it was, um... It was one of the larger ones too. There wasn't. It wasn't a, was a freezy or anything. No, no, it, no. I wish I would went to because right now Speedway has the uh, eighty-nine cent speedy freeze. Uh, all, fa- all three sizes. Yeah, teas. Yeah, any size fountains, fountain freeze or tea. Um, <laughs> you can snatch it up at your local Speedway. But yeah, I bought them like the dollar thirty-nine. Did coffee. you use your speed? Did you use your speed card? I did. I used my so speedy you're, rewards so you're card. Your points? I did. I got my points, and well, at uh, least you're getting your points. Yeah, I mean. And the thing is with the speedy points, what you got to do is you got to snatch up um, those 89 cent ones. You got to snatch you? snatch those up. Buy an 89 cent one every day. Well, I heard, I heard rumor has and it. And then on your, your six ones free. So then when you get that six free one, you got to get that monster industrial size coffee that's like a buck 49. So you get that for free, and then you maximize so, how much. So you did can. you not use your six? Uh, did you, it wasn't your six one then. No, I did. That's why I'm letting it slide. Oh, well, so I really it doesn't owe you any money. <laughs> well, that's questionable. The courts all decide. Yeah. Well, I heard rumor has it, Squirrel, and maybe. And since you were there, and you're the one that made the purchase here, mm-hmm. I heard he was trying to use his own, trying to get you to use oh, his Speedy Rewards card on his <laughs> coffee that you were buying. Not on my watch. No, no that's what I fear. I mean, you're per, you're using your own money. Yeah. You should use your own Speedy Rewards this card. This actually is why I love going on. You know, if, like I'm with a group of people and they all want coffee. Like, oh, I'll I'll, I'll run because I just want to go and like get like four or five coffees <laughs> all on my Speedy card, rack that up and get the you know. Get the thousand bonus, or no, you don't get thousand bonus points. You get a free, a free drink with the, with the uh, thing. But you know, you go there like if people need lunch, you know, go there, go get like, go get like six hot dogs, <laughs> you know, and get thousand bonus points right there. It's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Anyways, though, um, my my bitch this past week was uh, maybe a little, I don't know. It's more of a bitch move that for what they should have done 10 years ago as opposed to really now. But that's the Detroit Tigers. I love the ceremony that they put on for Sparky Anderson this past Sunday. It was great. Um, and again, this is something else I talked about in Around the Diamond with Tony today. Um, it was almost perfect. The, what would have made it perfect, though, was if it was done 10 years ago and Sparky Anderson himself could have been there. And it was all over some stupid, stupid, you know, you know, you know, conflict that, you know, Sparky had with Mike Illich. And, you know, Sparky Anderson isn't totally out of the blame with this one, but ultimately it comes down to Mike Illich making those decisions. And I love Mike Illich, too. I think he's one of the best owners in sports, but it was kind of a bitch move for them not to do this 10 years ago. And, you know, when Ernie would have still been alive and... You know, 
you know, and, and it was cool too that you know they did it a weekend when you know Kirk Gibson and Alan Trammell were going to be here with the Arizona Diamondbacks, but you know they wouldn't have been tied down to uh, to Arizona where they could have fully been you know you know involved in the ceremony and everything. And like I said, Sparky Anderson would have been there. He would have been talking to the crowd and everything. And you know. Cincinnati did this back in 2005. So why is Detroit just now doing it in 2011 when they could have done it during Sparky Anderson Day, I believe back in 2000, which you hear is, was an absolute joke the way that went off. Just, you know, just very, very half-assed in what they did. Um, but again, I, I know it's better late than never with this whole thing with Sparky Anderson, but still kind of a bitch move them not doing it a lot sooner than, you know, June 26, 2011, um, and after Sparky's death, too. So, um, my badass, though, with that said, Sparky Anderson. Um, I wish Tip was here tonight, though, because he could, he could talk a lot more about Sparky Anderson and, you know, during his time with the Detroit Tigers and Sparky Anderson was, you know, obviously just a legendary manager. One, what was it? Was it two or three World Series with Cincinnati? I think it was, I want to say two. It was at least two. It was at least two. One, one with the with the Detroit Tigers back in 1984. Um, was manager of the years, I think, a couple of times with the Tigers. Um, the Tigers were a, a huge, huge, excellent team throughout the, throughout the 80s. Um, Obviously, things kind of fell apart at the end there. I was with the '94 strike. Sparky didn't want to, you know, you know, manage replacement players and all that. Which, again, you know, he was stubborn and whatever. But Sparky finally gets his due in Detroit. Has his number 11 retired um, at Comerica Park. Um, definitely deserving. So, Sparky Anderson, my uh, my badass for this past week. Um, with that said, though, uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to our majors top ten of this uh, top ten of the week, and this kind of stems off of uh, Lickless. I don't know if you heard this or not, but um, I guess Wrigley Field is in terrible, terrible shape right now, and um, we have an article up on the majors.net right now that um, I believe kind of uh, piggybacks off a Chicago Tribune article that says that they're unsure whether or not. Wrigley Field is going to be around in another five years. They're not sure if they're gonna if it's if it's going to be even safe to have baseball played there, um, which is kind of sad. Just because Wrigley Field is kind of it's one of those cathedrals of of Major League Baseball right now. It's when you know it's, it's a historical site. It's you know it's Wrigley Field. But Lickless, you've been there before. I yeah, mean, it, obviously on the outside when you watch it on TV, it looks it looks it's, nice. It's awesome. But what is it like on the inside, though, of Wrigley? I mean, I I went, and who knows? I I went in 2000, so it has been a while. It's been 11 years since I went there, which just saying that makes me feel super, super old. But, <laughs> uh, but I mean, honestly, I thought it was great. I mean, I, it's still my favorite ballpark that I've ever been to. Just walking in was just like, it was just like true baseball. Uh, just walking in, it was just like, holy crap. Like, if you like baseball even a little bit, Wrigley Field would just... It was so cool. I mean, you, you could literally feel, like, the history walking into Wrigley. You could tell that it was just, like, you know, it is baseball. But yeah. so I don't... So I don't. you felt their last championship? <laughs> yeah. 
It's uh, it's you got to reach real deep for it. But um, well, Tip was still alive during the last championship. Yeah, he was re- he was young. He was young, he was very young. But I mean, not to be ridiculous or anything about it, he was yeah, young. He was like so. twelve or six. <laughs> he was in, he was in, he was a teenager, I think. Actually, so twelve <laughs> was a little young, but. Uh, but no, I mean, I'm not I even here it, to defend himself. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought it was great. So I mean, and I don't know the, you know, I don't know how the practice facilities are. I don't know the locker rooms or anything. But I mean, especially we had just, I mean, 2000. I hadn't yet been to Comerica Park yet. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Um, I coming off Tiger Stadium, it didn't seem weird to me. I mean, it was an older ballpark. Yeah. It was what you would expect from a ballpark that's been around for almost a hundred years at the time. So I didn't think it was anything terrible. But who knows? Maybe they'll. Maybe they have not taken good care of it over the last decade. Well, I mean, know. the rumor is right now is that the city of Chicago isn't going to fork over much money to help uh-huh. them renovate Wrigley Field. Um, like what Boston did with Fenway. Boston was, I, I guess, a huge supporter in renovating Fenway, um, forking over a lot of money. I believe it took like a total of, um, in all, I believe it took like a long time. I want to say like 10 years for everything to come together with Fenway Park. And, yeah. Um, I want to say it cost like $250 million to That's crazy. Since reno- Comerica Park cost $200 Yeah, to, to, renovate, to renovate Fenway Park. And unfortunately, you hear that Chicago isn't willing at all to spend that type of money on Wrigley Field, which sucks because if that's the case, then... You know, these old buildings and everything eventually are, you know, nothing lasts forever. No. And it's, I, I can't picture the Cubs playing anywhere else. Oh, Wrigley. Yeah, what's going to happen with that? Where would you move them to? I mean, that's Wrigley's the coolest place in the world. You literally are walking in a neighborhood. Oh, yeah. A normal neighborhood. And then all of a sudden, there's a baseball stadium. Yeah, Eric, Eric and I went there last it's year. Awesome. And it's and it's seriously, I mean, you you turn a corner, you're in a neighborhood, and all of a sudden, there's Wrigley Field. Yeah, and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> and it's cool, because there's a whole bunch of little bars and everything. Oh, on, yeah. On, you know, right by Wrigley and everything. It's just a really, really cool place. And there's those bleachers on top of those buildings. Oh, sure, yeah. The house is across the street, and it's, it's very, very unlike... U.S. Cellular, oh. cellular in the south side of Chicago, yeah, which you have to wear a bulletproof vest if you're going to that game. But with that said, though, we have the majors top ten worst sporting venues in the United States. Um, any guesses, you guys? Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis. There's a guess. Wrigley. Wrigley, maybe. Squirrel, do you have any guesses? Tropicana. Sorry. <laughs> I guess I don't. No, no, no guesses? Tropicana's got to be on there. It's Tropicana. Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to I it. So you said you went there. I mean, and I've heard nothing but terrible things about I it. I have been to Tropicana, and Unfortunately, it is. Unfortunately, the Metrodome. Actually, the Metrodome's still up. Metrodome is still up. That's right. I think the roof is still up, or up like now. <laughs> it's um, fixed. It, it might be fixed. It better be fixed. Well, NFL's coming up. Hopefully, they get something done, but... Yeah, Target Field because who wants to play a baseball game when it's snowing out? Well, and they may be running. Well, I, I probably do. not this. No, probably not this. No, probably not this year because the Twins are so bad right now. But oh darn! Yeah, yeah, seriously. But anyways, number ten. We just mentioned it a second ago. U.S. Cellular Field in the South Side of Chicago. Why is it bad? It's it's bad because it's it's location. it's so plain. Well, not really the location. And it's south side of Chicago. I mean, they got to keep the White Sox on the south side of Chicago. But you still have 
the skyline of Chicago available to you to use within the baseball field. Um, It was also built in 1991. It was built during a time when there was a whole big run on the old retro-style ballpark that was started by um, Camden Yards in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Chicago, the White Sox decided not to go this route and have a very, very bland, concrete. It was almost a new generation of cookie-cutter stadium that we saw during the 70s. It was like a copy of the 70s. Yes, almost. A whitewash stadium, you could almost call it, because it is so generic. Very, very boring, and you hear a lot of White Sox fans don't like it as well, just because of the route that they went with it. So the cell is number 10. Coming in at number 9 is the Rogers Center in Toronto. Um, Formerly the Sky Dome, it's bad because it seemed like they had all these great ideas for it, but spent all that time putting it into the outside of the stadium or, you know, okay, let's put a mall, you know, connected to the stadium, but let's not really pay any attention to the stadium itself. Um, Oh, let's go ahead and put a Hard Rock Cafe in there, even though the rest of the stadium is very bland, very dark, and just kind of nasty. And they also were ahead of their time, too, with the – with a retractable roof where, yes, it, it, it does retract, but it only retracts halfway. So half the game is played outdoors where the other half is underneath this big dome that takes a few hours to open where if they would have waited another five years, they could have had a more modern, probably retractable roof on that place. I've been to Sky Dome or the Rogers Center, and it's, it's really not that great. Extremely overrated. Um, it was pretty cool in 1989, though. Yeah. The idea of that. I get it. Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah. So <laughs> yep. do a Rainforest Cafe. They should. Did it? What? Did it turn into a Rainforest Cafe? No, I said let's go to. Oh. No. Rainforest Cafe is good food, man. Is it? I love Rainforest Cafe. I don't want to eat when a gorilla's like growling behind me. Well, I mean that's the whole that's the whole thing. That's kind of like shit. humid in there though. Rains. That's what I mean. It's like I don't want to eat where it's humid. Anyways, purposely. (laughs) Um, Where we at? That was number nine. Number eight is Tropicana Field, and basically, Tropicana Field is the Sky Dome without the retractable roof. And um, Sky Dome is you. You can you could just about hear a conversation happening on the other side of the stadium. Because there's no one else in the stadium. Exactly. <laughs> and um, Tropicana Field may be one of those reasons why. Now, again, I know I know Florida gets hot in the summertime. It gets humid as all hell. I mean, there's a lot of rain down there. But you're close to St. Pete Beach. You're close to, you know, you're right in Tampa, just well, St. Petersburg. But you could make a kick-ass stadium over by Tampa Bay or Right in downtown St. Petersburg, they can look abs- they can look awesome. They don't do it. It's it's a it's a dark, it's a dreary type of stadium inside there, and um, I can't believe they once played hockey there as well. The Tampa I don't Bay, even understand. The Tampa that. Bay Lightning used to play hockey in this place, and it, it was I think they used to call it the Thunderdome back in that time. But anyways, it's Mad Max there. No, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> I don't not. think Mad Max would uh, be caught dead in the Tropicana. Two teams enter, one team leaves, literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, number seven is Olympic Stadium in Montreal. Um, another example of a building that, you know, had plenty of great ideas going into it, but they just simply ran out of money. 
um, to finish everything. And because of that, it is one of the more awkward-looking stadiums that you would ever see. Um, they have, like, this blue roof on the inside where it's, it's it, lo- it looks really, really weird. And they have that tower going over the stadium, and it, it's a very, very awkward-looking building. Um, number six is McAfee Coliseum in Oakland, California, um, home of the uh, Oakland Raiders and, oh, the, yeah. uh, and the Oakland A's. Um, again, one of those bad, bad cookie-cutter type stadiums um, that we saw throughout the 1970s. Um, some of them made a name for themselves, like the, like, like the Vet in Philadelphia, um, like uh, Bush Stadium in St. Louis. Unfortunately, McAfee Coliseum isn't much of anything. It's, it's, it's very, very bland. It's, it's just very, very bad-looking. Nothing to it at all. And half the time they have a tarp over the whole upper deck because they can't fill the place. You were going to say something, Nicholas? No. No? <laughs> I'm bummed to hear what you're saying. <laughs> you a big fan of McAfee Coliseum? I just hadn't heard anything like totally negative about it before. <laughs> I'm just bummed when I hear stadiums are lousy. That's all. Um, number great f- stadiums here. <laughs> number five is Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego. I was talking with this with Tony. Um that it's right near a river in San Diego. So whenever it rains a lot there, the stadium oftentimes gets flooded. Oh, that sucks. And not only that, but if you're walking along the concourse... Um, Does it smell? Well, I'm sure it smells, yeah. but you also get um, random drippage coming from uh, the ceiling. Now, <laughs> you don't know if this is water or if it's some type of uh, sewage pipe nice. leaking. So, again... And it's another one of those cookie-cutter-type stadiums, too, as well. So Qualcomm comes in at number five. Number four is the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia, former home of the Atlanta Hawks and former home of the Atlanta Flames, who eventually became the Calgary Flames. Now, the thing about the Omni in Atlanta is they try to develop it using the special type of metal. Now, I had the metal written down here. I, I, I... I thought I had it written down here. I guess I don't. But it was this metal that was supposed to rust and actually get stronger as it rusted. That's weird. But that wasn't the case. It rusted. And what, hap- what usually happens when things it, rust? It got weaker, didn't it? It got weaker. <laughs> and um, there, eventually no. was, there, there, eventually was, there eventually was holes in the roof. That's so and, awesome. And I love the original website that I was looking at a lot of this stuff from that this was one of the only indoor stadiums in America that could still have a rain out. So <laughs> the Omni in Atlanta, another one. And it was supposed to be one of those great, great stadiums, too. You know, part of the Ted Turner sports empire. Um, that just crumbled. That just crumbled away. And just, just like that rust. Yeah, just like the rust. That's yep, exactly. so funny. Um, number three is the um, Azad Center in Newark, New Jersey. When I say Newark, I, that's pretty much enough said right there. Jesus, but, he didn't even say um, but the Azad Center, I was hesitant to put Joe Lewis in here, but it seemed like the Azad Center had a lot of the same problems that Joe Lewis has. Um, very few bathrooms there. Um, not very many entrances. Has one concourse um, where everything is very, very, very tight in. Um, and I believe the original website that I got this from says that it's a glorified high school gymnasium as well. So um, 
and the Azad Center was on multiple lists that I look up. So I figured the Azad Center probably should be right there in the top three. Um, number two is Arthur Ashe Stadium in Flushing Meadows, Flushing New Meadows. York. Yeah, I yep. haven't heard great where, uh, <laughs> yep, where the U.S. Open tennis takes place. Um, basically, the whole thing against Arthur Ashe Stadium is it's tennis. One court. And look, Liz, you're a big tennis person. Um, it's only two people playing tennis unless you're playing doubles. But the court in tennis is its not that big. No, it's not. And Arthur S. Stadium has multiple levels. Oh, it's huge. So if you're sitting up in the upper deck, trying to watch a tennis... I can't imagine trying to watch a tennis that matchup. one ant hit that tiny dot to the yeah, other you're Yeah, li- you're basically watching a Pong matchup, you know, take place in front of you. Um, yeah, and again, too, it, it, this is another one that made multiple lists here as far as being a horrible, horrible venue. And... But as far as tennis goes, I mean, I guess I really don't see other any other options, you know, to try to fit a bunch of people into. That's about it. I mean, I Wimbledon. Mean, I mean, they have Wimbledon a bunch is of the different same courts. Thing. I mean, yeah, but they have a bunch of different courts there too. I mean, well, they do with Flushing Meadows also. It's not just one court. But they have the one big one. No, there. yeah, I mean, well, that's how Wimbledon yeah. is too, a center court. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's fourteen thousand seats. So I guess yeah, it's a, there's not much as you can do really. Yeah. I mean, and well, one of the big nasties they have on it too is they have these these suites in there, these luxury boxes uh-huh. that kind of pushes everything else up because <laughs> oh. of it. So, oh, yeah, yeah, that's how it works. Um, and the number one, any guesses on the number one? Metrodome? Metrodome. Okay, yep, I assume that's what the Hubert, The Hubert Humphrey Metrodome. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize it was the Hubert Humphrey And the Hubert H, actually the Hubert H Humphrey oh, Metrodome. Yeah. It's the Triple no H. Shit. It's the Triple H Dome. Um <laughs> it was shitty the day it was built. Shitty the day it was yeah. built. Uh, it used to be a dual sport facility when the, obviously when the Twins played there. Um, Vikings still play there. At least I think they kind still of. play they there. They tried to, but they couldn't at the end of the um, you know, I was the. I don't know who the genius was. It was probably the same genius as decided to put uh, New Orleans in uh, below sea level there next to, um, you know, Hurricane Alley, but I think the same guy who built the Astrodome. He, he built all those shit stadiums. Yeah, in the but 70s. I mean, why have a cloth stadium, a cloth dome in a city that's <laughs> notorious for having tons and tons of snow each winter? Like the worst winters in the United States. Yes, and <laughs> I'm so actually kind of surprised that what happened this past winter at the Metrodome hasn't happened more often. Um, and again, till you look and see what you know when they did have the uh, when they the twins did play there, the surf the playing surface was absolutely terrible. You looked in the outfield, and again, it looked like gymnasiums where they would, you know, when they would stack up the bleachers when they weren't being used. That's what the outfield looked like at the Metrodome. It looked like bleachers, you know, stacked on top of each other out there, and you the outfield walls were pieces of canvas. So, again, the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome, probably the worst stadium in, uh, in all of sports still because it's still being used. Um, but that's our list. We'll have it up on our website here pretty soon. Fan question this week is which league needs realignment more, the NHL or Major League Baseball? If you ask me, I think it's definitely the NHL. Um, Major League Baseball, we talked about it a couple weeks ago that – the way things are aligned right now makes sense for interleague play. Um, in the NHL, you have teams like Detroit, 
Columbus, who are in an Eastern Conference time zone, having to travel out to the West Coast and play the Kings and you know the Sharks, and especially this especially becomes troublesome during the Stanley Cup playoffs when you know they're making these trips back and forth a couple times a week. Um, what do you guys think, though, Squirrel? What do you think? You know, honestly, I, I was actually going to say MLB, um, just because to me the alignment is more necessary for the sport itself. The NHL, I don't know that it needs to be realigned in a lot of ways. It, I'd like to see it realigned. A lot of fans would like to see it realigned, but I don't know that it needs to be. I think they're trying to do it to try to bring fans in, to try to appease teams, and I don't know that it's going to work. Sure, as a Detroit fan, I'd love to see Detroit in the West, but I told or you the guys... East. Uh, East, I'm sorry. <laughs> Out of the West is what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. No. But um, I've said in the past on this show a lot, I know a lot of people disagree with me, they should be in the West. They they are, are a Western team, you know. They It doesn't, you know, I mean, you cut the teams in half, they're in the West. Sure, I, it'd be nice, it'd be cool if they went back to the old style and tried to, you know, mix that up. But we don't want more teams out West, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, so... So when you have more teams based in the East, which you do, you're going to have teams who are Eastern-type cities playing in the Western Conference. Sure. That's just how it's going to be. Um, MLB, I, I think it needs to be realigned. I think the interleague thing's kind of gotten out of hand. And I think if the, if you're going to have the same amount of teams going to the playoffs from each league, they really ought to have the same amount of teams in them. You know, Nicholas, what do you think? Yeah, NHL without a doubt, um, mainly because I think the East-West thing in NHL was and always has been a really stupid idea. The NHL isn't like the other sports. Um, uh, the idea of uh, the Wales-Campbell conference always made sense. I didn't. It didn't seem like they were having any problems when they changed it. That was always my issue with mm-hmm. it. Is I, there wasn't like issues going on. So um, I think baseball's fine. I honestly do. I, I, I've never liked interleague play. I wish they would just get rid of it. That would be totally fine with me. And they would be totally fine with getting rid of interleague play. They're, you know, they're, they're even on both ends. They're all right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't see any problem with it. Baseball's fine. The, the NL teams are NL teams. The AL teams are AL teams. Sure. So I don't have a problem with it. I think the divisions are totally fine. It's regional. It's right there. Every, there isn't some crazy thing. There isn't, you know, Washington State playing Florida or something like mm-hmm. that. Eric? NHL, because I don't want to watch the Red Wings continuously start games at 10 o'clock at night. Oh, they're playing on the West Coast? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that's I guess, something. I guess that's just me, but I think it'd be, I think it's better. I don't, I don't see a problem with the leagues in baseball. Yeah, I, I guess for me, too, it's, it, you know, it's, it's the NHL, just because I, I like, I could see the potential of having, you know, better rivalries if the NHL were to realign, which is why I think the NHL needs to realign itself more so than the Major League Baseball. And if we go and look on our website, too, we do have some fan um, response to this. Um, Tony actually says the NHL, MLB just needs to move a team from the NL to the AL with the with the um, he says the Jettishers, which is the Jets, moving to Winnipeg and the constant griping about the current geographic landscape. 
the NHL needs it way more. And then Ron says the NHL, MLB can't move one from the national to the American because that would leave an odd number of teams in both leagues, meaning more interleague play almost every day. So obviously if you're a fan of, or if you're not a fan of interleague play, then that wouldn't be something you'd be <laughs> in favor of. Um, other than that, though, we're going to go ahead and move on to our 30-second drill. Um, 30-second drill, obviously. I'm not going to go into it because I get made fun of every single time that I try to explain the rules of it. Anyways, though, um, first question, we do have the Women's World Cup going on right now, which I know Squirrel has been tuning in for. He's been excited about oh, yeah. this. He's, he's waited for this for a long time. Oh, yeah. Um, he gets the alerts go to his phone. He does. Every goal, so he gets like two a day. Yes. <laughs> to a year, isn't it? <laughs> Anyways, though. Hey, we um, scored two goals today against uh, Korea. Against, so. against North Korea. Was it North Korea? Yeah. No shit. I thought it was South Korea. Yeah, North Korea. Which I, I, I it's probably not going to be broadcast in North Korea now. Because yeah, they, they lost. Well, they, they executed all the people. <laughs> yeah, the, the women's North Korean team is already dead. Um, anyways, though. Um, what would you rather watch, though? Would you rather watch Women's World Cup Soccer? Or would you rather watch the WNBA, Squirrel? Go ahead. Um, I'd, rather, I'd rather watch the WNBA. I mean, um, it's, I don't have a problem with women. I've never had a problem with you know chicks. I just have a problem with the sport of soccer. Um, so I'd much rather watch a sport than a non-sport. So <laughs> I will go with the, the WNBA. Go ahead, Nicholas. Uh... Man, um, hold on. Where's my coin? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, shoot. I don't. <laughs> could I read a book? I mean, nope. You gotta no. watch. You gotta watch one of the two. <sighs> I yeah, guess. Good. I guess women's soccer. Yeah. Could Could me and Nicholas like go like like watch watch Oprah and read Little Women instead <laughs> and <laughs> feel more manly about ourselves? Go ahead, Eric. Who'd you rather watch? Women's um, World Cup or I would the rather w watch the Women's World Cup while falling asleep on the couch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is worse than women's basketball. You know what, though? I'm telling you right now, I'd rather watch the Women's World Cup because some of those girls that play. That's where I was basing it. <laughs> very, very. Uh, There's some good looking girls yeah, there. Yeah, very, very good looking. Um, I think your sport, tennis, may probably rivals it, like a list. But I say I'll keep getting breast reductions. Yeah, What's up with that's, that? a, that's a rarity. I don't. I don't. Well, they I don't usually like don't that. have very big breasts. That's <laughs> why. I mean, they really don't. Um, next one. Even though we uh, we heard Drew Rosenhaus come out and say that To is my man is not retiring, but when he does retire, is To worthy of the Hall of Fame? Eric, I'll throw this to one of you first. Very much so. I mean, he's probably the second greatest wide receiver ever to play. Really? Yeah, behind Jerry Rice. I mean, in yards, he's second behind Jerry Rice. He's like fifth in touchdowns. He's just, if you can get past his attitude and his awesome touchdown celebrations, <laughs> I mean, he is a great athlete and wide receiver. Okay, fair enough. I'm not going to go. I, I think he should be uh, Hall of Fame, absolutely. Um, second, I don't know if he's second greatest ever, mainly just... And I hate to even I hate to bring it up, but he never won a Super Bowl, which is something. No rings, no wings. No, exactly. So, but there's it might be yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, I have never personally cared for the guy, but especially uh, his 49er days and even what he did in uh, you know Philadelphia and stuff. There's no doubt that he's a great wide receiver. Squirrel. 
agree with Gilson that he should be in the Hall of Fame. Disagree with Gilson that he's the second best wide receiver ever. Herman Moore, baby. Agree with Nicholas that he should be in the Hall of Fame. Disagree with Nicholas that he that it matters that he never won a ring. Did you agree with him that Herman Moore is the second best wide receiver <laughs> of all time? Uh, well, we only uh, get thirty seconds. <laughs> Who was better in '95, T.O. or uh, you know Herman Moore? Johnny Morton. No way. <laughs> um, we'll do one more since we're over time here. Um, Cliff Lee, Roy Holiday, or Justin Verlander? Who do you turn to in Game Seven of the World Series? Scroll. Go ahead. If Justin Verlander and Roy Holiday are both on your team, you don't have a Game Seven of the World <laughs> Series. <laughs> It, it it is that simple, but um, for the sake of this question, I I will say Justin Verlander, All but right. that would be a a really nice choice to have to make. Yeah, right now you have to go Verlander. I mean, he's pitching the best baseball of his life, and he's had a pretty good career so far. So Verlander, man, homers usually at squirrels line, but. Holiday's a friggin' washed-up has-been. Oh, God. <laughs> did, did like, after Nicholas said that, he put his arms up in the air. Nicholas, <laughs> <laughs> like, fist-pumped God. <laughs> Surprised he didn't, like, spike a pen and walk out. <laughs> I'm going with Get Roy your popcorn Ho- ready. Yeah, I'm going with I'm going with Roy Holiday on this one. You know, he's he's proven that he can do it in the playoffs. He's thrown a no hitter in the playoffs before, and he's I mean, to me he's he's still the most dominant pitcher right Jerry now. Jerry Bonderman came close to throwing a no hitter in the playoffs. Yeah, did he? Yeah, I don't remember yeah. that. Well, was, was it against innings. Oakland? I think it was like seven innings. Was that against the A's? Yeah, I think okay. so. Armando Galarraga also threw a perfect game, too. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of furthering my point. Uh, yeah, but Roy Holiday, <laughs> Roy Holiday though, is... But he, plus, he almost did it. He didn't do it. I mean, this yeah. isn't, yeah, this well, isn't well, horseshoes. It's not hand grenades. This is What did he do in the well, second well, if it's round? Horseshoes and hand grenades. <laughs> if it's horseshoes and hand grenades, well, then, you know, close would really... Then hand grenades wins because you could kill somebody. Well, I could kill you kill somebody with a horseshoe too. <laughs> yeah, but you I, ever held one of those things? Yeah, you ever seen yeah. somebody get hit with a horseshoe? I did. It's no. Not pretty. <laughs> Anyways, though, um, coming up, <laughs> com- coming up next on uh, on extra innings. Uh, which sports venue? Some kind of piggyback on the sports venue thing. Uh, which sports venue would you most like to play at if you're a professional athlete? So, with that said, we're gonna go ahead and. Uh, and thanks for this week, this week of the Majors Live. Um, make sure you stay tuned next week, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Majors.net for episode number 68. Again, make sure you stay tuned for Grouty tomorrow night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Grouty.com, Majors.net. Um, sounds like we have some pretty interesting stuff going on tomorrow night with the Craigslist watchdogging. And, do. um, and um, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with this whole Bex um, sceny feud that's going on right now because I have a feeling that this could uh, this could really start getting dirty here and it's ugly. It, it is. It seems like it is really getting yeah. ugly here and 
I don't know. We may have to make up T-shirts. You know, we, we, used we to, might have. We to. we you know in Twilight there was the team. What was it? The team Edward and Team Jacob. Yeah, so we might have to have Team Cini. Team Cini and Team Bax. I, I don't. Like I'm it. conflicted. I'm conflicted. I don't know what team I would go. Well, on. you're Bella. Am I Bella? Oh, yeah. you are Bella. <laughs> Yeah, Wait, why am I Bella here? You're so Bella because you're prettier than the rest of us. You know, I think... I th- what are you guys talking about? Twilight. Yeah, Twilight. Yeah, Twilight, dude. I can't be Bella because I'm <laughs> Team Bex 1,000%. Yeah, oh, so. man. What about you? Are you... I, I can't decide yet. Maybe, I think you, maybe you should be Bella. I, I think I'm Bella's dad. I don't like either of them. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> we were saying you were Team Cini because Bex wants your job so bad. That's... That's a good point. Oh, that is a good point. Yeah, Bex is after, he's after my desk. <laughs> well, anyone who's still listening, um, <laughs> why? <laughs> hey, this is important. I mean, it's, it's a, I don't know. Yeah, tune it in as the, uh, as the war begins. <laughs> Anyways. What are the guardians to do with such reckless hate? Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Stay tuned for extra innings coming up next. See ya. <laughs>